0: Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 230. We are back. Uh, Technology working effectively after last week's um, technical uh, disaster laden with glitches and all that. Sorry about that, folks. Again, it's the way it goes sometimes. We're back at full strength this week. Heather is back. Kevin is back, uh, and also this week we are joined by Chris Cochran of Innovation Collective, so really nice interview with him. Uh, also this week we're going to talk about uh, the $10 million DRI deal for Utica, we're going to talk about Disney+, Plus, New York State teaching exams, uh, baby names, uh, mailbag questions, all of that, so much more, folks, as always. We are happy to have you here for a full episode without glitches and without me obviously being frustrated. Uh, Uticast episode 230, we are happy as always to have you start to episode 2.30 after we said no more technical issues afterwards.
1: Yeah, we already did yeah. three minutes and then the computer deleted it, so, so we're back. I'm done. We're back. All right. I'm, I wasted all my good stuff. <laughs> and the first all three. my best takes.
0: Those are the I best know, three minutes we've saying. ever had in this show and
1: Wait. they're gone forever.
0: It's just trolling me now because our interview with this week's guest, uh, Chris Cochran of the Innovation Collective, we went like a full 55 minutes mm-hmm. of interview and it was perfect. It was streaming. Uh, it was working great. Uh, loved it. But uh, so... Just gonna keep my fingers crossed for now. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. It's the Udicast, episode two hundred and thirty. Heather's here. Heather here. is back as I we, am. as we were saying when you walked in, decked out head to toe uh, in winter garb. You're also very pink. It's a very pinky winter I just, garb.
2: I don't. I don't. Yeah, I am. I didn't think about it this morning. Just <laughs> so
0: uh, Heather, pretend like I didn't just ask you this a few minutes ago. Okay. But have you? Uh, we're we're a week and a half away from Thanksgiving. Have you already started your Christmas shopping?
2: No, I'm really bad, mom, about that kind of stuff. I, you bad mom, I'm a bad mom. Like a lot of moms, already hit like clearance sales last year. I'm just finding out what he wants and getting ready to think about ordering.
1: Okay. You know what? I think I think that makes sense, and I will I'll defend you as your attorney in this matter. Thank you. I think it makes a ton of sense because with your child being as young as he is, his interests are so exactly. shifting, his desires are so shifting. You buy him something in July, he might not be into it by the time exactly. December comes around. I think you're a great mom and you're
0: off the hook.
2: Thanks.
0: You're welcome. This That's great.
2: I feel really good right now. Good. Mondays are great.
0: <laughs> yeah, have you done any uh Why any... what do you normally do? I don't
3: know. You're not here. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> um have you done That's any fire. holiday shopping as of yet? What's that? No have you done we, any, no. Uh,
1: no. We've uh extended an armistice in my family. Where me, my brother, and sister, because uh, we're the only ones who like buy for each other in our family, you know, we're fresh mm-hmm. out of parents, and we got too many cousins and aunts and uncles to start going down that boondoggle. Um, we've decided that we're not going to do gifts for each other. We're just going to spoil my brother's daughter rotten oh, that's for Christmas. That's 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 I was going to say, out, you know yeah. what I mean, which works mm-hmm. out, you know, that works out well. So um, I've done some exploratory missions, some fact finding. I've got some ideas, but I haven't made any purchases or anything like that yet. Really,
0: that's fair. Uh, my mom has been asking me. If there's anything I want for are Christmas ready? yet, she, my mom's on top. Hey, of this that's game. his mom's right. wheelhouse. Uh, to which I said, I'm looking, I guess I want a TV because my TV in my room has been shot for a while now. Oh, there you, go. There you uh, go. So now I'm keeping an eye out for any deals on, screaming deals on TVs. No, not... no,
1: you know what your move might be, I think. Uh-huh. I think you have your mom get you a new laptop. That's to be a more expensive piece. And then you get an open box TV deal after Christmas yeah. when people are returning them. And you get that open box. That big yeah. TV we got in the living room. It was an open box deal I got for like under 300 bucks.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm thinking I might make the move to a different non-Apple laptop. No. My only concern, my only concern is having to transfer everything over to a new recording software. That's been my holding me back for a long time about uh, whether or not I change computers or just go buy like a refurbished computer like this or whatever and just use it only for this. A refurb might not be a bad yeah. Might not be my worst As, call, as long as I you use it. like
1: a reputable website, yeah. not whatever Singaporean <laughs> website Justin bought his on.
0: Uh... Kev, so uh, after last week, how you feeling after our, after the disastrous, uh, technically deficient podcast from last week? How you feeling this week? How's it going? Uh,
1: better, man. I was still sick last week, so yeah. it was the whole thing was right. It was bad. It was a bad, bad Monday last week, and you know Mondays always uh, one of the most obnoxious days of the week. But the boy, that really added to it. That
0: was a tough one. Yeah. Um, well, you seem uh, a bit. Feeling a little bit better, at least over the last
3: couple of days. Yeah, I'm, I'm I seen, way better. Yeah, I'm yeah. all
1: way back. I still got a little bit of that, um, still got like some extra phlegm that you're getting yeah. after you have the flu, mm-hmm. and still got some of those like upper respiratory, like dry cough stuff, yeah. but I don't feel sick at all. Yeah. You get a flu shot? Uh, I didn't. I, mean, yeah. I probably will now, and I probably should have yeah. because of too. my niece, and she's so young. You know, I got my DTAP, and I should probably go get my flu shot. I'm getting
2: mine tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Yep. to yep. read the pharmacy.
1: What are the, now, when you get your, do you just go up somewhere like the zoo, and they just give you like the discount animal flu shot? Same thing they give the beavers. <laughs> lions, lions and such, yeah. They don't get flu shots. It's amazing. No. I don't get flu Whoa. shots. It's not in the budget. Wow. Zoo not Wow. Controversial. You heard I, it here no, first. They don't get flu. No flu I, shots for the zoo.
2: I go. Is this like a flu season? they like, no, I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Heather, I'll share this with you this week, because I've already told Kevin the story. Uh, this weekend, I had a very important uh, milestone in terms of my education career. Oh. Yeah, I had to take what was called a New York State Teacher Certification Exam, or the NYSTCE. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to take it for social studies. Uh, if you're, and I don't know if you've ever heard anything like this. It's basically a test that uh, shows if I'm qualified to teach history to oh, people. Boy. Right? Uh, And one of the things I complain about over my life is I got my history degree when I was in New York, uh, my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And everything I've done for the last, like, how many years has been all about, like, teaching and education Mm -hmm. only, right? So I'm like, am I out of, uh, I think I'm out of the loop Mm -hmm. on, like, history. So I had to do a lot of boning up for it. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know if you've ever done anything like this from the aspect of I was not prepared for the amount of protocol I would have to go through when I got there. Like, I I walked in and I I couldn't bring... I had to hang up my coat mm-hmm. and put everything in a locker, and they had to walk me into a room like a like a closed off room with computers in it. And they're very specific. It, it was literally they a pat ten minute. They you mi-
2: down and everything. They <laughs> took they take I was like a, a
0: you know the people who home can't see this, but they mm-hmm. take basically a hand palm print impression that you have to put over like a palm reader, yeah. right? And anytime you come back to ever take you know, the teaching exam, you have to put your palm back over the machine and read your palm. I've never seen anything like it. It was pretty wild. I was just, a, I guess I've never taken a test at yeah, this level no. and expected it to be like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I just expected I was going to walk in and sit like in a desk in a classroom somewhere and be like, take this test. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting the level of uh, professionalism.
1: What was the palm thing for? Uh, so other people don't come in and take your test. Yeah. So, so, oh. yeah, so someone doesn't come in oh. and take
0: my test for no. me, right? Yeah. If I paid someone. I don't think yeah. I'm that type of devious guy. Uh, do you like, when's the last time you took a, an honest to goodness, like multiple choice tests? <laughs> it's been a while. I mean,
2: uh, actually, we had to take one for the zoo recently. For about so animals? No, it's about a project <laughs> we're doing. But wow. still, I second guess myself when I because I haven't done them in so long. And I'm like, wait, someone's going to grade this? Am I going to pass? Am I going to be <laughs> okay? What well, happens if I don't pass? What are they going to do with me? Like,.
0: So. Kev, how about you? When's the last time you took a multiple choice test for something? Oh, maybe like a year ago. A year ago? A yeah, year, year and a half. Alright, so maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right here. For When I was a kid growing up, taking like a cat test or a big time multiple choice test, the multiple choice part always I liked, but then if there was any sort of like short answer or word problem or anything where I have to show my own work when I was a kid, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And now, as an adult, I flipped it completely. Now I like anything where I have to write an essay because I feel really confident writing mm-hmm. at this point in time mm-hmm. in my life. But multiple choice questions make me nervous and unsettled because I start trying to talk myself into all sorts of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I could
1: see you turning into a real <laughs> mess, like talking yourself out of things you know the right <laughs> yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting caught up in the narrative, lost mm-hmm. in your head. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that Yeah, for you. Uh, I never liked essay questions because I physically didn't want to write. I've always been sure. a strong writer. Yeah. I've always, always been a strong writer Essay questions used to bother me I'm like, well, Jesus, I don't want to write four pages worth of stuff right now. Yeah. I've always been, I press the pen down real hard, uh, which yeah. sounds silly, but like it'll actually hurt your hand after three mm. or four pages, you know what I mean? No, I'm with you. I had to
0: handwrite something not too long ago, actually, and I was surprised at how frustrating it was. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the crazy thing about it, too, is I walked in thinking this is a history exam, um, and I was going to have to write an essay about a history subject, right? Like, oh, write uh, a... You know, no, 600 it, words. Been,
1: yeah. it had to be an essay about, like, teaching, right? Right, yeah. right. So once <laughs> I looked at it, well, I don't know,
0: because part of me is thinking, like, this is, you know, everything else about this test is, like, understand some mm. concepts from history. So mm. my assumption would be some broad concept of history. Like, you know, pick three examples of, you know, uh, civilizations that rose and fell over whatever. Sure. Here, right? Mm. Sure, sure. But what it really was is they gave me, like, sources. Mm. And they're like, how would you teach this to a classroom? And I, like, looked yeah. at this. I was like, oh, God, mm. this is, boom, I got this yeah, all. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all the weird questions nice. about economics they threw in the multiple choice question, and I was like, "Ooh, I wonder these are all crapshoots." I always <laughs> wonder about tests
1: like this, like yes. professional level tests. I wonder about this and like different stuff like that. Do uh, you know there's all sorts of different kind of tests? Um, I wonder how I could do just going in and taking just take it. You know what I mean? Just go and take um, it. I'm always curious where yeah. I would stand,
0: knowing what I know about you. From sure, years of being friends, you would do great in the multiple choice questions because they're all not. pretty. Down the line, if you pay enough attention to history, you know, outside of some little, you know, uh, say, economics questions through me, stuff like that. Uh, I think what you would struggle with is how to word things in the, like, teaching protocol section, like using certain teaching and education specific words you yeah, might yeah, not use all the time. Like, you know, you want to talk about differentiated instruction and this mm. and this and that and all sorts of things. And that stuff you might not know just from not being not in, like, an educational world. Know how to explain no, but I what think what you you're do- talking about. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Content. Now, here's a dumb question for someone in my place who's not been a teacher, like, you know, who's in the world, though. I wonder if I could just go get a certification teaching another subject I didn't get a major in. Like, do I have to go get an English major, or can I just take the New York State teaching Mm -hmm. exam certification for English and see if I pass it? Yeah, Yeah, do they have, like, practice exams? Yeah, I maybe I had we'll to take a,
1: maybe. Maybe that's what we'll do. It'll be a podcast segment. Me and, me and Heather are going to take the history test that you took. <laughs> I wish I could get a copy of it. I'd love to get. Yeah, like they probably a,
0: got rules about that. If they're scanning,
1: if no, they're no. scanning your handprint, they sure. probably don't give you copies. I just would. I would
0: <laughs> but that's like the frustrating part. Like you take a test, and what I'd like to know, I'll probably just get a score. Right, yeah, here's yeah, your yeah. score, and whether it passed or failed. What I'd like to know is what I got wrong, so I yeah. can like know better, right? But that's not how this whole thing. Plus, oh, so you can't works. go back
2: and. Pass.
0: This was expensive, by the way. It cost me money to take this test, oh, which is always yeah, a I'm lot tight. of fun. Mm. Yeah, that's how they get you. They mm. get you. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, I'll find out on December fifteenth whether or not I passed or not. Whether, whether not, takes you can month. be a teacher, huh? <laughs> well, <I'll, laughs> whether or not I have to pay more money to do it again. I see. I guess is the I the see. other side of that coin. Um, the other big thing this week that I guess I should talk about, not in the same subject, was um, Disney Plus took over the world this week. Do you have Disney Plus at your house we yet, do, Heather? Yeah,
2: because we have unlimited Verizon. So yes, me too. Yeah. So, and at first I was like, I don't want to go online. Everyone was talking about it, and I was so annoyed that I didn't even want to download it. Mm-hmm. Because I was annoyed about how excited everybody I was about that. it. Mm-hmm. I respect and I like, that. I respect that deeply. So Zach's like, let's get this. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Then mm-hmm. he got it, and all the movies came on and things on there. I'm like, oh my gosh, i love that show. So yeah. I guess I want to watch that. That's great. Um,
3: Shout
0: out to GFOP Zach Wilson of Midunica, who walked into the house bragging about how he had uh, Disney Plus because he had unlimited data, and it took me a couple of minutes for the gears in my brain to go, wait a minute. I have unlimited data. Does that mean that I also have Disney Plus? And lo and behold, it does. I watched yeah. that happen for you. <laughs> I, 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 personally,
1: I personally, I sat, I sat back at 30,000 feet and observed that whole thing work itself through <laughs> just by your facial expressions. Yeah, I watched watching you with the wait a
0: minute, and then you start poking around on your phone. I'm like, ah, I see. I, see. <laughs> I just wanted to know. Uh, I watched a couple things on here, so I watched some content. I watched mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Kev, you watched it with me. It was fine. Sam loved it because he loves Star Wars. I don't love we Star Wars. He can't watching. get it off. I
2: didn't like it. Because it's bad. This episode last night. Nothing happens, It's really. terrible. And I'm like, Look. It's
1: Boba Fett's friend and a bunch of nobodies.
2: <laughs> it's so weird. They <laughs> made I a just, Western out of it. I fell asleep actually. I missed the last like, 10
0: minutes. Uh, I also watched uh, a lot of Simpsons because I really enjoyed having Simpsons with like streaming capabilities now. Nice. You, you've had that for years it's a little jankier on the way we used to do it with the fx now app honestly, all the, honestly, like this is exactly. nice she just streams through a whole bunch of yeah, in a yeah. row i don't have to like add a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and then we watched one of the marvel movies we watched uh, captain marvel which was kind of a mess but it was fine it's good to yeah, have yeah i left during that um <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> you, didn't I just, you know what it
1: is because it was it's out of sequence i've already seen what happens after so i just don't yeah. care yeah. you know what i mean
0: um so yeah. else? you
1: watch fantasia too Oh. We did
0: flip through Fantasia. It was fun. That's yeah, right. I just watched, you watched like saw some Fantasia. I flipped through like ten to fifteen minutes of a couple classic Disney movies. I watched some of the Jungle Book. I watched some uh, Fantasia. I watched like we watched like fifteen minutes of Toy Story three. Uh, just, I'm just k- kicking around to see what they got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, ten things I hate about you is on there. I keep thinking I'm I
1: gonna watch it. Movie. Yeah, that's right. a good like, movie. I course, that
3: movie. There's, there's a lot of too. I don't know why.
1: if you get on. So um, there's a couple movies that are like old movies from my childhood that are like. And it's secretly on there that you don't really mm-hmm. remember from Disney. Like, yes. number one, Heavyweights is on there. Oh, yes. If you haven't seen Heavyweights, you got to go out and watch it. Um, Blank Check is on there. It's oh, a classic. I love that movie. Camp Nowhere, uh, super classic. Yeah. And uh, oh, there was another one I saw that I was really like, oh, good for them. Can't remember what it was off the top of my head now, but that's yeah. also on there.
0: Um, I did see one funny thing that Disney got uh, they were talking about the news this week Disney is putting out uh, like uh, things in front of their movies certain older movies Mm -hmm. just reminding people that these movies have quote unquote outdated cultural depictions Mm -hmm. which is smart of them to go out and head and put well I mean I'd rather they do that than like edit the movies in any particular Mm -hmm. way yeah 100% that's a non-issue I'll give them a lot of credit because a lot of the Simpsons episodes I've watched seem to be the uncut full episodes Mm -hmm. that are like they cut some of those jokes on TV when we were kids and I was sort of forgot about some of them. So that was kind of mm. cool, too. Yeah. So, so I appreciate that. Yeah. They pulled that one episode,
1: right? The Simpsons, the Michael Jackson one?
0: I think you can where still... Where was
1: a guest? I think you can still
0: watch. Ah, uh, everybody was... Everybody saying so, they pulled it.
1: Everybody's yeah. saying it's not on the app, and they pulled it.
0: I hate to go real nerdy, but I heard this crazy story about whether or not that really is Michael Jackson or not. Apparently, it, when they originally recorded the episode, where Michael Jackson shows up on an episode of The Simpsons early on, um, it was really Michael Jackson singing. And there is, like, a version of the track with him singing, but whoever his record company didn't want them to do it sure so they got like some other person like mm-hmm. some impersonator to come mm-hmm. in and sing the track but then apparently and there's no confirmation this matt Groening says that he went in and flipped the audio files and didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. so that even though they said it wasn't michael jackson it oh, actually right. was and they just pretended that it was so mm-hmm. so this weird uh sounds like a lot sounds like a lot <laughs> it sounds like a lot uh i did have a couple other things we didn't we went 14 minutes on that um this feels like something that we could uh, pack into a little bit deeper, but it's been a big story in Utica. Uh, early this week, uh, the city of Utica will receive uh, was finally receive 10 million dollars as part of the state's downtown revitalization initiative. Uh, these DRI grants are awarded to cities that meet certain criteria and warrants uh, the investment is determined by the state. People seemed really happy about this last week. Um, this doesn't go this is just for downtown development. This has nothing to do with the hospital, which is what a lot of people no. like reaching out to me mm. about like, what does this have to do with the hospital? People are fools? nothing. Nothing. The hospital
1: people think it does, but the hospital people are uh, known and notorious fools yeah, saying it's, half-truths on the internet. Okay. Uh,
0: the funding is intended to revitalize existing downtown neighborhoods and add enhancements to the areas to foster new growth opportunities. So that sounds like a good thing. Sounds, good. I don't know, like enough of the details to say there's anything sneaky about it. Or well, that... Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> there's definitely be some people pocketing some money yeah, and, well, and sure. passing some bids over to
1: friends of friends and in-laws. Yeah. The
0: Community what?
2: Foundation is the one that's controlling where everything's going, though.
0: I oh, bet. well, there you go. Well, good <laughs> yeah. to know. Uh, well, I know most people I talk to seem pretty happy about it. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, it's always good. Yeah, I heard the that
2: they're going to put a yeah. rooftop bar on top of the Double Tree, or no, and, not tree, on top of the, the other that. one. One of the hotels, Hotel side.
1: Utica. Or the Radisson. Radisson, maybe. The no, Radisson. I, that would be. I'm make not worse. ready for this Hilton or Doubletree. W- it's the Radisson. It's hotel unit
2: okay, for I, all I, types I'm of not, purposes <laughs> for me. I heard on one of, of them. I, that's just a rumor. So the rumors are already starting. I can see yeah. on the
0: top of the Delta hotels, it's sort of a short roof. You can do something kind of cool with that. I think. Yeah, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um That's the one thing that you know. I understand. Like, if this is its development, so it's got to go to you know private companies. I guess whatever. Um, But sometimes it feels like a lot of these state grants just go a little bit too much to, like, friendly businesses that people are friends with. And it just goes to, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if you spend this whole $10 million grant, like, giving uh, free money to somebody who's already down there to just make their business more appealing. I know this is for business development, but... Uh, I think there's something to be said for making sure the money is spent as smartly and effectively as possible, not just for something fancy yeah. mm-hmm. to give to somebody who's friends with, you know, friends of a friend in a yeah. back room and stuff. I just to make it more
2: accessible to go downtown with my son or in the middle of winter and not to park like eight miles away and... Be able to look, yeah. go places. That's all I care. Like so, that. When I think of that money, I think of how are you going to make this easier for me to go downtown and shop What at
1: would make places. it easier for you? Is it parking? Parking. 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 You have parking. to park
2: far away, and not that I don't mind walking, but when you have a child and it's freezing out, mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is go downtown and freeze and walk somewhere. I want to be able to have things more accessible. That's all.
0: Hmm. I'll put it this way: when I went down to. Um, We'll see, New York Connection with uh, GFOP uh, Justin Parkinson and me and who went to go buy some N64 games mm-hmm. one night. It was late-ish at night, like 5.30, 6 yep. o'clock, and there was no one really around, and mm-hmm. we still had to park a significant distance away, and I was like, huh, that's kind of odd. Mm-hmm. You oh, people, I mean? people are in the buildings. Yeah, yeah they're all around. So they not just yeah.
1: park and stay on the street. I mean, they're inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, really... is weird. I don't see anybody in the street. There's cars. Around. Where could they going be? What's
2: well, it like going to restaurants or going to get coffee or do any of that. You really mm-hmm. have to think about that you're probably going to have to walk a little ways. You're going to yeah. do something. And I, I don't know, with me and my son, sometimes it's just nice to be It is with tough.
1: With the, with the young child, that does make it tougher. But I'm, I can agree with that because there's definitely times where I've been, um, the one specifically that I always think of is mellows. No, there's yeah. a ton of times where if I'm out running errands or something, I'm like, I grab some lunch, I like to go to Mello's Subs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the parking is just far enough I'm like, ah, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this right yep. now. You know what I mean? I'll go to, you know, Mellows makes great subs, but a lot of places make great subs. You know yeah. what I mean? So different yep. stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. A uh, couple quick things before we get to this week's interview I just wanted to share. Here's a real nerdy piece of trivia for you for this week. Um, yeah, so the most distant world that we've ever discovered uh, as humans has been named. It's four billion miles away, uh, and it's now called Aerokoth. Oh, I like that. A- A-R-R-O-K-O-T-H. I like it because it sounds like the the bad guy in, like, an H.P. Lovecraft.
1: Astaroth.
0: No. Oh. Yeah, Astaroth. It means sky in the native uh, North American Powhatan people language. Uh, it is among countless objects in the so-called Kelper, uh, Kepper Belt, a vast uh, beyond, uh, a vast twilight zone beyond the orbit of Neptune. I like space stuff. So if you're ever curious, or you're on Jeopardy, or some reason that you mm-hmm. need to know the name of the most distant world ever explored, the answer is Erokor.
1: A lot of interesting space stories in the last four to six weeks. A lot of real crazy stuff we're finding about the universe. Mm-hmm. So if you like to read about that stuff, get in internet. Because there's a lot of a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. been happening.
0: Uh, we don't have any impeachment. I didn't write up any impeachment hearing stuff because I feel like there's a lot of different breaking news things. Take it going. seriously
1: and pay attention. I like how I'm, I like how nobody's talking about the fact the guy got, like got rushed to the hospital yesterday. Yeah, I almost thought it didn't <laughs> happen. I didn't... Uh, you know, it's funny you say yeah. that because like almost, it.
0: I almost wrote that down for a story this week that like apparently he like went Who? to uh, Trump went oh, to the please. the doctors out of nowhere, but everything's fine or something. But mm, but, but nobody's want... seen him. No one's seen it. Yeah. Oh, well,
2: he's he's no one's seen him. Oh yeah,
1: there, It's though. why. No, well. There have been tweets from his account, but he doesn't write all of his own tweets. He's got a staff for a lot of that stuff. His yeah. tweets have been too uh, coherently worded, so people don't think it's him. Oh, Usually, you can tell it's yeah, him when it's like yeah, really just yeah. like yeah. old folks on Facebook yeah. language.
0: I
2: didn't even know that happened. How did I not know
0: that? Uh, I Cause feel- they're not really talking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and before we go to this break, uh, I can't tell if this is necessarily uh, Thanks, I Hate It as a segment yet, but we'll, we'll see if it gets there. <laughs> uh, this is a list that was compiled earlier this week from, uh, from a group that predicts the big names for babies in the years to come. So in 2020, the most predicted names for kids. Are you ready for some of these names that are going to be very popular right. in 2020? Hit me with it. All right. Ada. A-D-A-H. Ugh. How about Reese. R-E-E-S-E. Mm. Mika. These are all girls' oh, names, by the way. my party's name when I was little? Mika, M-I-K. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of Mikas around. Uh, Paisley. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Amina, mm? Tegan, Nova, no. Aura, oh, God. Pearl, and Billy. These are all some sort of the names. Oh, I like right.
2: how Billy is in there, though. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, she's very popular. Billy is very popular right now, so you're going to get some of that, I feel like. Uh, you ready for the boys' ones? Oh,
2: those aren't boys? Those, those are, all- <laughs> are all girls.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, Austin, Alva, Acacius. I don't know if I ever A-C A C I U S. You sure that had an ace? I like
1: how I like how Heather's all upset about all these names. Her child's name is Casimir. Like name. this is ridiculous.
0: This oh. is ridiculous. All these weird names. So weird. Well Casimir, names. do you do you short Acacia to Ace? So you call your kid Ace, my son Ace. Uh, Tate, Diego, Easton, Lucius, Cash, (laughs) Ash, and Luca are all very popular for boys' names Mm -hmm. this year. Uh, There's also an increasingly popular category of gender neutral names. So you're going to see a lot of kids named Ellis, Phoenix, Remy, Marlo, Shay, Zephyr. (laughs) Shout out to Marlo Stanfield. Uh, Darcy, Rowan, Quinn, and Emerson. So there's some of the more popular.
2: My son's
0: daycare. I don't know if there's any of those names that offended you or made you uh, full of joy or anything, but uh, yeah, I just expect all the names to be names I won't recognize soon. Just crazy, wild, like millennial names, yeah. right?
2: Heather will never make a comeback. Heather's she's staying in the '80s forever.
0: <laughs> no, I feel like these names will be pop. Like, these aren't going to be the most popular names of 2020. These are just names that'll be trending upward. I feel like oh. there's still a lot of kids, a lot of parents naming their kids Heather. I feel like. Oh. You want me to look it up before we go to break? Like what? I'll look it up for after. Heather, Heather
1: is definitely primarily a product of the 80s. Yeah, Heather is huge yeah. in the 80s. They made a movie about
2: I it. I had like four Heathers in my... Oh,
1: they
0: did. They did? They did. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lo- let's go to this week's uh, interview, and then when we get back, I'll find out where Heather is currently on the list of most popular uh, girls' names. Uh, but for now, let's get to this week's interview. Uh, this is Chris Cochran from the Innovation Collective. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to actually see him speak to my students uh, for my job. Uh, a couple days before the interview. So I might have mentioned that a couple times during the interview in case you're curious, but really great conversation. We talked a lot about uh, entrepreneurship and and like technology uh, and what he's doing and his plans for Utica in the future. So really good conversation, a lot of good times. Uh, Chris Cochran, we'll be back in just a moment. I have to tell you, um, and I'll start just like this, because uh, this is the first time I've been on the doing any work on podcast since last week. Last week was the most technically frustrating episode of the show I've ever done. Really? I, I ran across multiple tech issues. This computer is very old, yeah. um, and I've been riding it out because yeah. I'm a grad school student, but I did a lot of tech work before you came in here today. Because so we you
4: were, literally just, this is the introduction, and you're waiting until here, and then... And then we're These, are, right these here. aren't
0: even introductions. This is just music tracks that right, I right, will right. use later on. But uh, I haven't recorded the rest of the show yet, so we won't do this till Monday. This oh, okay. Is, okay. I'm like, yeah, we're, I thought is, you
4: were doing this like real time, and then you were like just going to barely slip it. Inside. I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Because no, no, I would have no. typically recorded it <laughs> and then dropped it in later as an MP3. No, no. Uh, one of those tracks. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this.
0: Uh, it's funny. When I started doing this, and I, I do want to get into the when you started getting into the podcast, yeah. because I'm very curious about the era when you got into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: I it was the Wild West, man. Well, it's true, because in...
0: I went to New York in 2008 to go to college, and it was during that sort of period that podcasting sort of presented itself as a medium. It was really popular in Brooklyn and Williamsburg where I was living, surprisingly. I can't believe the bearded guy lived in Williamsburg. Um, (laughs) But even then, it took a longer time for it to make its way up here. Even my close friends, who are on podcasts and have been on podcasts, only in the last few years, have been like, oh, you know, I've been listening to these little podcast things these years. I'm like, oh yeah, finally. Yeah, totally. Um, but it is it, even in 2004, I can't imagine what,
4: what it was like to explain that to somebody. Yeah, well, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it usually started with, "Well, there's this thing called the internet." This, yeah, this
0: little device called the internet. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Um, this is a really off. It's a really like off-topic thing. Uh, I was on a different podcast last week talking about video games, and one of the things I talked about was something called the Sega Channel, which mm-hmm. in 1994 was an internet peripheral that you could use for your Sega Genesis, which doesn't okay. seem to make sense, but it was like you would put your coaxial cable into the yeah. back of it, and they would send you stuff over the internet. And it's one of those things that was so ahead of its time in 1994 right. that I can't believe no one ever like brings it up. For like, right. hey, remember that time you used to be able to stream video games on the internet in the 90s, and no one talks about it? because it totally, did. <laughs> totally. And I feel like in 2004, pitching... Podcasts to people must have felt very similar. Like, well, identical. You can do any of these identical? Things. Uh, Chris Cochran, it's a pleasure to have you in here. Um, I know that you you've probably ran into a couple of my in Utica crew in the past. I know that uh, my friend Kate Riley has mentioned your name yep. to me yep. before, uh, and I was lucky enough to uh, see you speak in front of some of my students, uh, as my listeners know, I work in public education. It was very I loved I loved hearing it was a great speech. Really thank enjoyed you. it. Yeah, thank you. It was fun, and I'm happy to have you here. It's really great. It's here fantastic. On episode to be here. 230, uh, Chris.
4: I guess let's start, though, in the beginning. Where are you originally from, Chris? Uh, born and raised in Seattle, mm-hmm. like I literally was born in downtown Seattle, downtown and uh, Seattle. raised in unincorporated King County, right outside of Seattle. So. so
0: living in Seattle proper, you're in the city.
4: Yeah. You grew
0: up city kid, then?
4: Yeah, total city kid. What's
0: How is that? Exa- growing up, I grew up in Utica, 60,000 people. Yeah. Seattle, what are you talking about, like? How many million people live in
4: Seattle? Uh, there's uh, in the in the greater Seattle area, the yeah, metro yeah. market. It's about a million people. So million it's people. not the biggest city sure. in the world. And when I was a kid, it was actually a, a really big small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt a lot like Utica does today. Actually, really? interesting. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't, and and there was a lot of big economic downturns when I was a little kid. Uh, I remember as a kid being having a billboard on the side of the I five, which is the main freeway, that just said. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last person out, please turn off the lights. That's a, uh, so it was a yeah. it was a different era for yeah. sure than the Seattle that people think of today.
0: It's funny you say that because that's a that was a common Utica bumper sticker really? in the late '80s, early '90s. Last night, of Utica, turn off the lights. And yeah. it was a. I mean, again, I, I very similar in terms of their concepts here. I remember growing up, and people were kind of down on Utica as a kid, and I remember kind of being aware of my parents. Sort of having that conversation, like well, what's going on with all these businesses, you know. When well, G when G uh, GE left, that was the big one.
4: I remember, well into high school, yeah. having to explain to people where Seattle was in America. Uh, yeah, to people who mm-hmm. had like, they didn't know where Seattle was, mm-hmm. especially if you're from another country. They, uh, until the grunge movement, until the Nirvana and Pearl Jam, nobody had ever even heard of Seattle outside of like the Northwest. What well, year were you born? 1973. Okay, so you
0: were probably you were around to see some of that. I was like, in, in the, the in the thick of it.
4: Everybody I knew was in a band. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, half my friends were getting signed. The yeah. other half wanted to get signed. Did you play at all? Yeah. What you play? Uh, guitar and bass.
0: Guitar and bass, yeah.
4: Do you still play at all? you pick up anything? Uh, once in a while. It's not as much anymore, but yeah. I've noticed uh, in the years I've
0: been doing the podcast, my drive to play music has sort of dwindled. Yes. And I, I've always sort of incorporated that into the idea that if you are a creative type, there's some aspect you need to get that creative yes. voice out in. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd probably be more driven to go back and play music, Absolutely. or to go back to writing. It's just some sort of outlet, and I'm sure that, that that's you know what that's like
4: <laughs> well, it, and also life happens too. You know, when I was 15 mm-hmm. years old and I didn't have anything to do, mm-hmm. playing for four hours a day was a, like no a oh, no brainer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. As I, I when I got in, we'll talk about it later, but as I got into podcasting, that creative energy started mm-hmm. changing. And now as I'm older, I'm doing a lot more speaking and writing, oh. uh, and I just don't have the creative juice to come home uh, in the evenings yeah. and then crank away on a guitar <laughs> for another you know yes, even 30 sure. minutes.
0: You know, my uh Kev uh the other guy in the podcast, he his m- total like main job right now is, is playing in, in bands. And I, I'm I'm slightly jealous of it sometimes because I used to do that for a living and now I see him out there playing shows and he's like, I'm oh like I miss being out there playing the bass. Just a little bit. I'm just a little jealous of those guys. <laughs> I'll be uh, I wanna talk to you about Seattle a little bit just for a moment. Sure, so you're in Seattle. You're going to public school there, you're going yep. to, yeah. What kind of uh, what kind of environment was that for you? Were you like a, were you a sports kid? Were you a jock? Were you a musician? Um, like what was your experience? I was the
4: class clown. Class clown. Uh, I ran for like ninth grade mm-hmm. uh, president because I could give a speech better than anybody else. <laughs> um, I was uh, I was really into sports, mm-hmm. um, but I was never great at it. I, I grew up as a kid who yes. was never great at anything. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. With the exception of music, was one thing that I could do really well. Yeah. Um, and making people laugh. Those were the two things I could do well. Yes, that's personal. Uh, And so, and it was my, the school that I grew up in was very interesting because it was this really weird, like literally it was a, technically it was another city, but it was still within Seattle. Interesting. Uh, And uh, it was this pocket of all white people in, in a very not-white neighborhood. And uh, Seattle Public Schools deregulated uh, who could go where as long as you could provide your own transportation. Mm-hmm. My sophomore year in high school, I oh, we wow. went from having one African-American in my class to having a 60% minority in one summer. Oh. And racial tensions were insane. Wow. Uh, and it was a rough neighborhood. Na- it started to get to be a really rough neighborhood. Like my freshman year, there was a shootout between the Crips, Bloods, and Disciples directly Jeez. across the street from my school. Yes. Uh, but I never felt any of that stuff. It just felt normal mm-hmm. to me. And even like... I mean, I remember when you were like 15, and you would like go downtown to the skate shops and that sort of stuff. And I would do that. And I remember being like 15 years old and skating downtown Seattle and like the rough neighborhoods and having like guys go, "Hey, man, you want some white powder?" But like, but at the time, it never occurred to me that this wasn't like it didn't seem weird or or scary or like unusual.
0: I think that's too. And there's something to be said about this. We've, I mean, we've had this debate in the podcast before about the way we handle like allowing our kids to do stuff. 20 years ago, the way we do... Now, even 20 years ago, my parents would have just been like, all right, you're out playing with your friends, we'll stand on the porch and yell for you when we want you to come home. Now I don't even know if you let your kids just go out in the street anymore by themselves, (laughs) full stop. Like, I don't think that exists anymore. Right. And I wonder if it's we... I I don't want to say we coddle or safeguard our kids too much, but there is a certain amount of, like, we have to put some sort of faith in them to do the right things at a certain point in time. Absolutely. Maybe not young, not too young, obviously, but, like... it's probably, like, it's probably
4: why guys like... um... John Mayer sing about a quarter-life crisis. That didn't exist no, when I was a kid. Nobody had ever even heard of that. And now people are actually experiencing anxiety at 25 years old.
0: During your speech this week, you mentioned yeah. something about how you had said you wanted to be president when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You didn't like school. Yes. Now, I'm curious. Were you good at school? Because being bad at school and not liking school are two different things.
4: Um, it depends on how you define being good at school. Mm. Um, I was put in the gifted program... Sure. late, mm-hmm. So I was never one of those kids who like felt gifted from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um it was super weird too. because like in 4th grade I get introduced to this gifted class mm-hmm. and these kids are like literally foaming at the mouth to do logic problems and origami and I'm like I don't even <laughs> know what those are. <laughs> right. I just yeah, okay. want to play kickball. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and I got discouraged during the learning process during that time and by the time I got into middle school um I realized that I was learning I could learn too quickly. Yeah. And so I hated the fact that like I understand this math concept why do I have to do it a hundred more times let me learn the next thing and so I would ace tests and fail every assignment because I wouldn't finish them Um, and I just was not conducive to someone like me Uh, the learning process wasn't and by the time you got into high school and I started realizing that people's learning was not about them learning any material about digesting and regurgitating information I just was like this is a waste of my time
0: yeah I mean I think I've always said that I was spoiled as a kid because my parents were in education like I grew up with my mom taught for like 45 years. My stepdad taught for, I want to say, 30 years in pu- Utica public schools. So right. I was raised in this environment where school and education was taught very seriously. Right, it was taken very seriously all the time. Right. And you had to do your work and you had to be on it all the time. But I also, th- I've also been in public schools myself for a long time, and I know that there are a lot of parents who had bad experiences right. in high school, and those bad experiences that parents have filter down to their kids. When their kids are like, "I don't like being in school," it's like, "Well, yeah." Course, you don't because right. school is the worst, right? Right, and that's what scares me sometimes. With like, you know, I, that's kind of why I still want to be in teaching. I want to give some of these kids a good reason to feel like school's not so bad, right? right? Yeah, right. yeah, but I want to ask you one other thing about school because I didn't get this far and I forgot.
4: Okay, Did, were you an only child? Do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, well, I had one sister, she was a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the oldest, and then when I was in middle school, I think it was, my parents started taking foster kids. Oh, interesting. Uh, so by the time I graduated mm-hmm. high school, my mom had four foster kids. My parents had separated at that point. My mom had four foster kids and then me and my sister. And then she went on to adopt six total. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was she just, is that something she just felt like a passion for? She just felt like she could and wanted to? Yep. She was really
4: passionate about that. She was really involved in the foster care system, helped Mm -hmm. write a lot of the curriculum for new foster parents and those kind of things. So, yeah.
0: And that's such a, it's such an honorable thing to do, you know, because you think, you know, I know a lot of regular parents who don't pay attention (laughs) to their kids, (laughs) right? Like uh, some of the ones in my family included. But I, to go that extra mile for somebody who's not even your blood or your family is yeah. something very, you know, I think about it with me on the teaching thing. Like, if I, if I help one kid every day, I'll feel good about myself. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and a lot of kids look to it, you know, like, especially in the teaching thing. I hate to go on a tangent about it. A lot of times teachers see these kids more than their parents will. So it's oh, yeah, really absolutely. important as even just any adult in someone's absolutely. life to be that, like, positive, you know, even if it's just being a sounding board. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, did you have, like, your sisters, you and your sister are close in age. you guys still close? Did that relationship help you at yeah, all? Yeah, we are really out? good friends.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we weren't when we were kids. We, she hated me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it was the kind of situation where she would walk into class. People would be like, are you Chris Cochran's sister? And she would be yeah. like, yes, but I'm nothing like him. And a big sigh would come over the teachers like, oh, good. This is not going to be difficult. You uh, you'd
0: mentioned during, and please correct me if I took this information down sure. correctly. Uh, your father worked in a pizza parlor, mm-hmm. and your mother was a bus driver? School bus driver, yeah. School bus driver. Yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned that you felt, uh, did that, you feel like that, like, somehow set expectations for yourself lower, being like, well, this is what what there is for me, or did it, like, challenge you to do something different? Like, what, did that
3: affect
4: you in any way? Yeah, it was interesting, because I never thought anything of it as a kid, because everybody I knew's parents were, like, blue collar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And um, part of my dad, my dad worked at this pizza parlor that if you were from Seattle, everybody there would knew it. It was, like, a a cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I, I used to go to work with him on, sun, on Saturdays, once in a while, and I'd get a pl- have the run of the whole place. It's a, yeah, hu- yeah. It was a huge building, uh, and I'd have the run of the place, but one week I had to do my, um, my homework. And I scribbled through it as fast as I could, and I got done, and my dad's like, you didn't finish it, I said, yes I did, look. And I showed him, and he's like, you're gonna rewrite all of this stuff. And I'm like, why would I rewrite any of it? He goes, I can't read a word of this. Mm. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever. My, par- my teachers have never said this, why do you care about it? And he looked me in the eye and he goes, all my life I've done manual labor. That's all I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I want more for you than that. I want you to be able to push a pencil when you're older. Mm -hmm. And this is the beginning of those kinds of things. And if you don't get it right now, you'll never, you'll be stuck doing manual labor. And I don't Mm -hmm. want that for you. And it was one of those formative moments that at the time I was really angry. But like the first Mm -hmm. day I got a desk job, I literally broke down in tears Mm -hmm. uh, going, I did it, dad, because my dad had passed away by that point. Well, it's amazing
0: you say that too, because I I spend a lot of time thinking about moments, right? Like there are. A lot of people don't take those moments into account too. Like I ask people a lot of times, like when they people who are on TV or people who are like in politics, you
3: know, was
0: there a moment when you like, you, like just it felt like this is something that I, this passion built up inside you? And a lot of times there's not. It's just right. like no, it's just this kind of thing I thought about. But I, I tend to, I think maybe since I grew up like drama club and acting and like <laughs> being a, something about those like big moments where you have those revel- revelatory thoughts and your mind clears up it makes a big difference for people and I, you know i always thought that those moments stick in your head for a long time for a
4: reason right like i, th- I think too that there's some people who are naturally self-aware, mm. and other people have to learn to be self-aware. That's a great point. And, yes, and I, yes. I grew up mm. as a kid being really self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood at 15 years old that even though I wanted a girlfriend more than anything in the world, that this was not my the sum total of who I was, and this yeah. wasn't like there was no reflection on my personal value based on whether or not some girl liked me or not. Sure. And I had the wherewithal to do that. And my dad left my family when I was 15, um, and even then, I had the wherewithal to walk through that process. Uh, and, and become self-sufficient on the other side mm-hmm. of it uh, because I, didn't, I knew that I didn't need the emotional stability that my parents, my parents couldn't give it to me. And that wasn't even a, a down thing for me. It was just more the reality. Uh, and I think as some people are more self-aware, they have the ability to analyze those situations as they occur and, and they realize what it is. And for a lot of people, they, don't, they look at their lives as the sum total of these tiny experiences as yeah. opposed to, no, those were unique experiences that created mm-hmm. this thing uh, that you become.
0: I always say that uh, my parents got divorced when I was eight, mm-hmm. uh, my, my, real, my real dad and mom, and uh, I always say that when you go through something relatively traumatic kind of early, it does sort of force you to be an adult and take on, like, adult mentality oh, at an sure. earlier age, and I think that helps to um, to harness that self-awareness and sure. to sort of facilitate, like, coming into your own about who you are because you have these external turmoils,
4: right? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, I just want to ask quickly, you said you didn't love school necessarily. When you got to the end of high school, were you... Have any idea what you wanted to
4: do? Um, well, so uh, the only reason I graduated high school is because mm. I had a 1.8 grade point average 8, my yeah. so, end of my mm. sophomore year. And I found out that we had a satellite school you could attend mm. that would teach you some kind of skills like carpentry or, or trade school style. Yeah, trade yeah, school, yeah, school stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. And one of them was an electronics uh, of course. course. And at that time, um, who doesn't want to fix all their friends' car stereos and VCRs? And it was one of those things where I felt like I could learn a job skill and then go right into some kind of a like entry level position. Did you go to college at all? No, I never went to college at all.
0: Was that ever? And I'm just curious because um, you know I, I work in a in a position where college is a big part of my job. Right. But as a human being, I have very nuanced thoughts about how we should be promoting you know jobs and futures for our kids. I love. I'm very happy to have my master's. right it's coming. I also think that if I had thought about it twenty years ago, maybe I would have thought, you know, who makes a lot of money? Plumbers. <laughs> <To> <laughs> you know what I mean? To certain... So I wonder if, like, you know, there is a story we were told from a certain yes. generation that if you are good and you go to school and you go to college and you get your degree, there'll be a job waiting for you at the end of it, and you will be successful. Right. And I wonder if that story still holds water to kids from a certain generation and below.
4: I, you know, it's funny because I look at I have three adult children, mm-hmm. and all of my kids. All look at it like, yeah, college is like really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because now, even now, on the other side, I look at it and go, I value uh, higher education. I value people learning. Yeah. I value. Uh, I, I think that the higher education oh, yeah. system could could be doing so much more. But I think it's a broken model in many yes. ways. It's an old um, model. It's a way it's old. Very model. old model. Um. And so, while I would never tell someone not to go to college, mm. at the same time, uh, what I told my kids was, you don't have to go to college. I never did. However. The work that I had to put into certain things to Correct. get to where I was at mm-hmm. is exponentially greater than you will, because you get a ticket inside the door with that piece of paper that you yes. oftentimes don't get. Like I had to work for.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. Did that uh, was that a struggle at any point in time? Like not having that degree at all? Like people ask you why it's not there? Is a...
4: oddly no. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I um, graduated high school. I went right into radio. Mm. Well. That's right. You, that's right. <laughs> it's not like most radio stations. They, yes. They're not asking you, like, show me your degree. That's um, And I started at a really crappy, like, religious radio station in a small town in northwestern Washington. Yes. Uh, and so they didn't care. They just needed talent. They didn't even – you didn't sure. even have to have talent. They just needed bodies who could, like, yeah. become – bodies, yeah. And <laughs> not cuss, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so um, and so I, I did that for several years, and then I got really into uh, the, a church that I got involved mm-hmm. into and started doing some work with high school and middle school students sure um, and so I got involved in that and, and got a job working in that and so I started taking I shouldn't say I never went to any college cause I started taking some correspondence courses oh, uh, yeah, through yeah. the denomination that i had been working with sure um, but even then it was the same thing it was ridiculous it was like you're gonna read all these things and you're gonna tell us and it's like you're not measuring whether or not I have the spiritual aptitude to lead other people and or dissertate this this spiritual text yeah. all you're really doing is uh, like figuring out whether I can take a test
0: yeah. and send it in, Yeah. right? Is this correct, is it not? Yeah, tell me what my score was.
4: Right, and, and so I never yeah. actually finished that, any of that. Right. I did a couple of courses and never finished any of it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it, that's like the big question that educators go through today. You know, I sit in these grad school classes and we sit around and we discuss how we're going to best, you know, best prepare these kids for a future that we are not sure we know what it looks like. <laughs> we. Totally. It's hard to prepare a kid in high school for what the next decade looks like when I don't know what my next three weeks looks like. (laughs) Well, and
4: even greater than that, depending on which study you look at, somewhere between 25 and 47% of jobs as we know them will not exist in 20 years.
0: Oh, in the automation side of this, yeah, Yeah, I mean, I've thought about that a lot. You know, like, what type of jobs are there that are automation-proof? I have a harder time coming up with jobs now than I used
3: to for jobs that are artists.
0: (laughs) Even because I've thought about jobs that are, like, automation-proof. I'm like, well, I guess teaching isn't necessarily automation-proof anymore. There's a lot of technology out there now that makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. Almost everything can be made easier with it now, and it's... You know, I'm not saying I'm going to go vote for Andrew Yang immediately or anything, but I think there's a point to what he's getting at about we should be concerned about the amount of people that we have and the amount of jobs that will be available.
4: Well, I think that it uh, it's funny because uh, I, I'm at the heart of this kind of for my job right mm-hmm. now, right? And, and I think that part of me um, says that in reality the creati- the, the creativity mm-hmm. pieces you can't, you can't hand you that can't off your, not in yet. our lifetimes will we hand that off to a computer not yet yeah uh, the relational <laughs> yeah. side of things sure. we're not going to hand that off to a computer anytime mm-hmm. soon mm-hmm. Um, and then the ideation and the creation of new uh, this would be created but it's different than that new innovations uh, um, mm-hmm. those kinds of things you can't hand off to an AI yet. And I don't see a time in the near future where we're going to be able to hand those things right. off. Uh, so the I think that the uh, future-proofing isn't in a position. In fact, I had a conversation with a guy about this today. Uh, the concept of a job description is a fairly recent one. Yeah. And if you look at the way that people used to have trades, they were expected to be the master of a piece of technology or art form. Mm-hmm. They weren't, because even a farmer, had to have so many skill sets, and yeah. if you were to create a job description for a farmer, we and look at it on paper, it would look crazy. It's a great point, point. Uh, and so uh, I think that what we're going to see is less job descriptions in the future mm-hmm. and more autonomous uh, creating of things, yeah. uh, which is part of the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now.
0: Well, that's one of the things we talk about with the kids sometimes. Is when you tell kids about you know what we're going to do in the future, it's not you don't ask them anymore. What do you want to do when you grow up? You ask them what five things do you want to do when you grow right. up like what what's a bunch of things that you think you want to do that're interesting to you because you know honestly that seems to be where we're going now right. multiple levels of involvement multiple ways that you are engaging with the world
4: around you. Well, even if you look at, back to your other point about uh, higher education, uh, the liberal arts degree was created literally so that gentry would be able to have conversation. Mm. And if you think of that from that perspective, we've changed that from, you should know a little about everything so that you can be a well-rounded human Mm -hmm. being, into do your time, get your degree, fill it in so you can go get a job that has nothing to do with the degree you got in. Uh, and, And that's a very different the ethos and a value system uh, for that because the thinking originally was people need to be enriched and enlivened in order to have real conversation mm-hmm. about things so that they, they're they not just spe- you know speaking out of their ass. Yeah, exactly. uh, And in reality, we don't care about that anymore in modern education, which mm. is part of the problem.
0: It's, it's something I've noticed too is we are in this very strange middle ground with education. There is a whole just girth of... Older teachers who are on the end of their, you know, they're getting ready to retire. There's all these new teachers coming up. And the way that the new teachers are being taught with this integrated technology and differentiated instruction and all this common core, you know, class building is very different from what the generation before it is. And there is a disconnect between the older generation of teachers and the younger teachers and the students right. who are used to these new ideas that they're used to, with this integration of technology, this sort of visualization of, of the classroom as opposed to just like, here's, I'm going to lecture at you. Whereas people who are two years away from retirement are like, I'm not going to spend my last year working here relearning how to do everything I've done on a computer that I do. And that's what I find. I think we are sort of in a weird uh, sort of gray area in the middle. We haven't gotten to the total shift over to this newer style of education, and we won't for a couple more years. I think 10 years or so. I want to ask you a little bit about Innovation Collective, but I want to think about the timing here. Should okay. we start with the podcasting or we should start with Innovation Let's
4: Collective? Let's start with the podcasting.
0: Okay. So 2004, how did you get from doing um, weekend overnight DJing gigs into doing podcasting? So
4: uh, I started getting involved in this church. I was doing a bunch of work with high school and middle school students, uh, doing about a leadership development. I started transitioning out of that because there was no money in it, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, I started, um, I, I, st- I podcasting had just got introduced. Um, and in fact, at the time, I think I only listened to a total of like four podcasts because yeah. there was only that many that I was interested in.
0: Do you remember who you were listening
4: to back then? Uh, Adam Curry was the first Adam one Curry, I ever yep. listened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people don't know him, he was the original host of the Headbangers Ball on MTV yeah, back I in the day. Adam Curry, yeah, yeah. He also was one of the inventors of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasting was invented by um, a guy named Dave Weiner, mm-hmm. a couple of other unnamed people, and Adam Curry. And when they were writing the encapsulation scripts for RSS, I'm gonna get nerdy for a second. Oh, yeah. When he was writing the encapsulation <laughs> scripts for RSS, um, our encapsulation tags, they needed some kind of daily MP3 to be loaded somewhere on a server mm-hmm. so they could test it out. Because they, at that time, you still had to have a special piece of software to get it from your computer onto a portable device, which yeah. at the time was an iPod. Yeah. Uh, and so at that time, it was a program called iPod or Lemon, who Adam Curry, who was a serial entrepreneur, actually mm-hmm. went then and invested into and was helping them yeah. with. Um, and so he was the first person that I really got into as far as podcasting goes. But the, the genre the prevailing genre at the time were two things: uh, music podcasts. Okay. Um, and I don't know how to describe them other than an audio blog. It was people just yes. talking about, here's what's going on in my life, and here's yeah. how my life is interesting, which was with the podcast that I started. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started a couple of different podcasts in 2004. I did um, one called The Car Cast. Mm-hmm. So I recorded a 22-minute podcast that was recorded while um, I was driving. Driving the car. Um, because the, car. Yeah. the average commute was 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was literally about, this is what it's like to be a dad living, an average mm-hmm. dude living in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would do it while I was driving my kids to school. Yeah. Um, and then the second one I started was around um, just the coming events, and here's what's going on in Seattle. Yeah. And I actually got uh, Seattle.gov to post it on their website. <laughs> like in 2005, yeah. they were posting this. Here's the latest events coming up in Seattle and stuff like that. And so for two years, I did that, and never made a dime off. Did any of you?
0: It. Did you notice? Was there like a groundswell of people listening to it? Was there like an active audience for that yeah. in the era? Yeah.
4: Yeah, it was interesting. They were techy, nerdy people. Um, and in fact, when I first started. Like, I, like we were talking about earlier, I literally had to explain to people, it's like a radio station, only it's on the internet, and you can put it on your iPod, and I would literally get people go like, what's an iPod? <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: I, I always laugh. We stumbled into it sort of by accident. when I first, Years ago, I was living in Brooklyn, and we were, I was, I was listening to like the Bill Simmons podcast. I loved soccer, and who's it was your, really hard to find like good soccer content in America at that time. Premier League uh, soccer? Yeah. I'm a big Premier League guy. Who's
4: your, who's your team? I'm a Liverpool fan. I Thank hate you. you. Thank you. I You're appreciate I'm that. I'm an Arsenal fan. so I hate our, everybody, and we hate ourselves. My closest, so. uh, one of my
0: closest friends. Shout out to my buddy Eric Tuttle, whose wedding I just came back from. Big time, big time Gunner, Gunner fan. and yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's been sending me some angry texts. <laughs> I must say, as a as a Liverpool fan, for I've been watching it since 2007. I started okay. watching kind of accidentally when I was uh, just was on yeah. Fox Sports Net. Um, Liverpool falls very much in line, like all the teams I've grown up with: the Buffalo Bills, the New York Knicks. I have uh, a lot of faith, and yes. then somehow they hurt me all the time. <laughs> and it's like an abusive relationship. Like Somehow I'm like, well, maybe they'll change, and I'll give them another chance, and yet they continue to hurt me over and over again. It's a I... terrible cycle. I'm not ready this year to feel good about anything yet. I know that they're in first place.
4: Well, my first love is the Seattle Mariners, so that's oh, the worst possible sports love ever.
0: I just watched a video about the Mariners on YouTube uh, called Collapse. It was about that, the year from uh-huh. when they won the 116, 116 games. 116 game it's a shame, too, because Ken Griffey Jr., we just we talk about this all the time. Ken Griffey Jr. might have been the first athlete when I was growing up who was so cool that he transcended the team. Like, yes. I knew people who just liked Ken Griffey Jr., didn't care about baseball there's otherwise. A, there's
4: a guy here yeah. in Utica that the first time I met him, he's like, you're from Seattle? I'm a huge Mariners fan. I'm like, how are you a Mariners fan? He goes, Dude.
0: Ken Griffey Jr., man. Dude, it's like that. I swear, it's crazy. Like yeah. a, a, The first real transcendent youthful like player that I remember growing up. Also, he had the video game,
3: which everyone liked. Yes,
0: so in two th- I want to go back to podcast before yeah, yeah, I get too far, because uh, so two thousand four, you're doing these podcasts for yeah. people. Do you see at this point in time, are you seeing there's like a future in this? Absolutely, I do. yeah, yeah. Do because- people believe it? Yeah, actually.
4: Yeah, really. Yeah, there were certain group of people who did. It, the, the hard part was, that, like everything, early adopters is a bunch of friction, and sure, and the sure. and the friction was not everyone knew what an MP3 was, mm-hmm. not everyone had an MP3 yep. player, and so and the portability of it was what was difficult. Mm. And so the minute that the internet became ubiquitous because the phones in our pockets, that's when the friction wore off and it was easy because yeah. now I don't have to plug my iPod in every night to get the latest episodes of whatever else. Sure. And 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 uh, high speed internet was still not a big thing for most people back then, too. Which is
0: a wild thing to think about. You know, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm 33, I'm almost 34, and I, I tend to think of my sort of particular like five year period as sort of the last generation that kind of remembers the pre internet era. I think a lot of people younger than me do not remember having to call anybody's house. So, technically,
4: that's my son's generation. Yeah. He's yeah. 22 years old, so he's the first year that will never remember the world without the internet.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I know what you're saying. But I think there's something to that. It's, it's something I got. I always go back to this one story from the very first. Like the third episode of the podcast we ever did, we had this lady come on, uh, Kate Miller. Shout out to Kate Miller. She told me the story about how she knew her kids were using too much internet because she went, she put a new copy of a magazine on the table that she came in the mail and her daughter went over and tried to swipe the cover (laughs) until it would change. Yes. And I was just like, I was like, ah, we're we're a tech culture now. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Now, I want to talk a little bit about Innovation Collective because I, we're we're already gone 28 minutes and I can tell that we're going to go longer than that. When did you, this is uh,
4: Idaho you ended up in?
0: Yeah. How did that happen? How would you end up in Idaho? Uh,
4: Radio took me to Spokane, Washington, which is right next door to Idaho. Ended up in Idaho. That's where I got involved with the church thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then... um Uh, The one of the students I worked with uh, became like really, I got to be really good friends with him when he was like in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he, I left the area, went back to Seattle. Um, He ended up going into the tech world and starting a bunch of technologies companies and selling them. Uh, And I got really involved. I started doing the podcasting thing, thought I was going to make money, never did. Ended up in IT. um, And years later, he called me up one day and he's like, I've got this really crazy idea. Would you want to come help me
0: do it? Which is always a great sentence to hear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, can you give me just a quick overview of like what the idea behind it is, like how you like what sure. the what the, like the mythos or the byline is for people? so they Yeah, understand yeah. So it? the
4: idea is that right now in America, capitalism and community are both very fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loneliness is at an all time high. Yes. All these jobs are going to be automated. There are a lot of people talking about a universal basic income. Uh, most people don't believe this uh, in in America, but the people yes. who are Quote unquote, running the country. And I don't mean like the elected officials, but when you look at the the Gateses and the Zuckerbergs and and the Bezoses of the world, they literally are talking on a regular basis and concerned about the future of the workforce in America. Mm -hmm. And they really are concerned about it. And they talk about it a ton. And they talk about it even more. And then nobody's doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the thought is what if we could actually create a new kind of capitalism um and a new kind of community where people are once again being taught how to build things together and work together to build new things uh and then what if we could actually give them access to a pathway towards the american dream because because i really believe in capitalism and i really believe the american dream Mm -hmm. uh but it's been so obscured for most people they don't know how to find their way to it yeah now, and so I grew up thinking I could be the president of the United States, and I don't think that most kids today um, look at that as a. It's an, not aspirational. Anymore. It's not aspirational. And I don't even think
0: that's just a Trump or Obama uh, yes. thing. I think it's it's no longer. I, would, I don't want to use the word cool because that's kind of a, a broad. Word, but it, it's not something like I think people want to be YouTubers more than really. If you're most kids I know would rather be a famous YouTuber, yes. than a famous politician, and they don't even want
4: to be like at one point a couple of years ago, it looked like the Zuckerbergs and the and those guys are we're going to be the new celebrities, yeah, and even that's not even
3: holding very well,
0: well on a totally. Character level, I don't think Zuckerberg has the making of a celebrity type. He's he's like he's like talking to one of those Boston Dynamics robots. It's like, but so how did that bring you to Utica? I guess is my wraparound question. So like, uh, yeah, yeah,
4: so oddly enough, so Nick calls me one day and says, "Hey, I want to do this experiment. Will you do it with me?" And I said, "Absolutely, I'd love to do that." And I get off the phone and I said to my wife, "I said uh, Nick just called. Here's what he wants me to do. What do you think?" And she goes, "You know where it needs that?" And I said, "Where?" And she said, "The Mohawk mm-hmm. Valley," because my wife actually spent a large mm-hmm. amount of her time in her childhood in. Uh, Herkimer. Oh, very nice. And so she's very like, nice. Mohawk Valley needs that. Yeah. And my thought was, that's nice, honey. Like, maybe someday, <laughs> but we're like in Idaho. There's no way I'm going to be like, hey, Nick, screw Idaho. Let's go to the, like the Mohawk, this place none of us have ever been, yeah, except yeah. for my wife. Uh, and so we ended up in Utica because, uh, fast forward several years and my business partner was speaking at a conference in Reno, Uh, there was a guy at the conference who was on a different panel by the name of Martin Babinick who Mm -hmm. is pretty well known here, Um, and Martin heard him speak and said, this is interesting because uh, it's scalable and it can be done in more than one place, and all the other ecosystems that typically are presented in the space that we work in are all unique to a geographic area Mm. because of something in that area or some foundation in that area that's not scalable. Uh, and so he came out to a meeting that we held uh, he then came out a few months later to a big festival that we throw and brought a bunch of stakeholders here uh, and that's how we ended up here very nice
0: so what is yet how long have you been doing work here now in Utica uh,
4: officially we started in September September yeah
0: so you're gonna be here for three years
4: yeah well the the program itself lasts hmm. for three years uh, our contract is for three years but that is when it becomes self-sustaining okay. uh, so within three years uh, there's no money that needs to be put in because right, right now it's a public-private partnership mm-hmm. between Oneida County the Mohawk Valley uh, community college foundation um, a couple other um, sure. nonprofits mm-hmm. and then a bunch of private stakeholders mm-hmm. so
0: so theoretically you'd be here till September of 2022 doing your stuff
3: then, theoretically.
4: Yeah, theoretically I'll be here off and on till sure. I need to be here but we'll right. hire a community manager mm-hmm. here cool. uh, someone who is the face of innovation collective here mm-hmm. and and that person will probably be two to three we'll probably swap them out every three years or yeah. so because we don't want people building their own kingdoms and sure. those kind of things so
0: uh, so I want to, uh, I do want to get to lightning round questions, but I just want to, I want to touch on something that you said yesterday, uh, during the, during the, the speech you gave to my kids, which I really enjoyed, by the way, uh, you had like a list of like five different, like sort of credos that you sort of picked yeah. out at the kids and I wrote them down. And again, if I get them wrong. Please correct me. I have them on a list right here. First one was uh, never stop being curious. Yes. Second one was to start leading today any chance you get. Yes. Uh, The third one was to surround yourself with good people, which I want to come back to. Okay. Uh, Fourth one was to take advantage of opportunities to grow and learn. And five was to fail early and fail often. Yes. Uh, I liked all of this a lot. I loved everything here. Uh, Is there any particular one of these you feel like you, the most strongly about, or does it all go together? Is it all part of one larger system?
4: I think it's part of one larger system, but I think the most important one there is to never lose your curiosity. Mm. Uh, Part of the reason that college was never a hindrance for me was because I was uh, 20 years old and I got a friend that ended up... um, going to work doing technical support for Microsoft Windows 98 at yeah, a big yeah. call center. And so he would bring home all the MCITP books, which are the big, like, thousand-page study oh, yeah. guides that yeah, you yeah, use yeah. to get your certifications. Yeah. And I would read them cover to cover because I was just fascinated by it. And so, because, like, some people grow up, like... I don't know about women. I think they probably do this too, but like for dudes, and I use that word very specifically. Sure. For dudes, some dudes are really into like sports and they just yes. get it. And some dudes are really into yeah. like cars and they get it. For me, mm-hmm. electronics and computers always just, yeah. it made sense to me. And so I would read these things cover to cover because I was mm-hmm. so fascinated by that. Hell yeah. And nothing that I've ever encountered in life um could take the place of being able to teach myself things. Mm-hmm. Even when I ended up in IT, you can't know everything. So the curiosity of having to learn things and wanting to learn things mm-hmm. was what I used to become successful in an IT growth. So I think that's probably the most important of all of them. It's funny. I think
0: I thought about that when we were in your state yesterday. I always thought when I was a kid, this is going sound really stupid, when I was a kid, my I knew what I wanted to be. I right. knew. I was going to be the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Come there was on. no question I was going to pin Hulk Hogan and the yes. Macho Man. I was going to be the champ. Lo and behold, I'm not the World Wrestling Federation champion. I'm very small. Uh, but at some point in time in my life, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was not going to be right. a WWE wrestler. Nowadays, when kids talk to me about like some dream they have, my first inherent thing is not to shut them down on it, however, because what I wish someone had told me back then was, if you like something, if there's something that's important to you, there's more than one way to be involved in it, right? right. Maybe I'm not going to be the WWE champion, but I could have got a journalism degree or I could have got a business degree. I could have gotten into TV production, writing. You could
4: have even been yeah. the WWE champion, actually. I, I no, it's was, true. I know, you but like, thinking about that, I kept thinking, like, why is it that we don't encourage people to go after the craziest things ever? Because the only thing that would have kept you from being a WWE champion is you. Height, as well. And, and Vince McMahon <laughs> and the storyline. Big Vince, yeah. No, well, no, because Jimmy Superfly Snooker was 5'2". That's true. And he's in the Hall yeah. of Fame. Mm. Uh, and so the characters can be built. And in fact... The, that's why I was just I I yeah. think these things do like to well, the nth degree. And the, you could have been. Well, because it's true. I think when
0: I was a kid, if I were to tell somebody that I well, wanted to be a pro wrestler, the idea is that's very cute. Right. Please move along. If you are 20 years old and you tell people you want to be a professional wrestler, right. you're either super committed. Yes. And a crazy person about it, or people think you are lying. <laughs> right? like, well, I'm sure that's the way people yeah. look
4: at professional video gamers today, too.
0: Well, I think that's an interesting one, too, because 20 years ago, people would talk about that. you tell your kids, like, what are you wasting your time on that for? That's never going to amount to anything. Right. And then some kid wins $3 million on Fortnite last year, and all my kids are like, that's it. That's what I'm doing for a career. And I'm like, right. I guess you can? Yeah. Weird. I don't know. I, it's That's just the changing of the world. I, video games in general have taken over the culture in a way that I did not expect. We just did two whole episodes on video Right. Games. So um, so before I get farther on, I just want to give people opportunity to check out your stuff. Where can people uh, go if they want to follow uh, Innovation Collective? Are you guys on Twitter, Facebook? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Innovationcollective.co is our website. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, it's very... Um, it's cryptic, and we don't put everything out there because sure. it drives engagement, and it's actually Should been much more effective for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in Utica, we, we divide up all of the things we do by different geographic locations. Cool. Uh, so we have a Facebook group in Utica for Innovation Collective, colon Utica, and it is literally just for people who are in this geographic area or somehow connected to this area. Awesome. Uh, and so that's the, the next best place to probably go to see all the things we're doing. And if you mm-hmm. want to follow what we do, we're on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff.
0: Cool. Cool. and I'll put the links out for everybody uh, so they can follow along if they want to after the show. Um, Chris, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I, I want to say, I give you a lot of credit. Going up in front of kids and doing that spiel is hard because kids are hard, kids are hard audience, and you did a pretty good <laughs> job. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned something as well during that interview and something that I was, during that speech, that I was sort of curious about because it's one of those things I feel like in my generation I've kind of missed. You talked a little bit about startup culture. Yeah. Uh, and it's something I feel like, there's something I I stress out because when I started doing this podcast, my initial idea was I wanted to copy the Bill Simmons model, right? right? Like I want to have this podcasting network with multiple shows under the Udicast banner that right. I would produce themselves and I could just release them and sell them for ad revenue. And then like you know, life gets in the way, and I'm like, now I'm doing this for my personal things. I want right. to do it, um, but I feel I lost my train. I thought I had a point. I was getting it to startup culture. Startup culture. I think a lot of it is that I'm. For a lot of people, they don't know that they're they're not willing to give up part of their thing to other people and let people in. Right. In the startup culture style, isn't it more about letting people in and sort of uh, having those open
4: ideas? Absolutely. In fact, there's this big misnomer that it's the technical. There's this great book yeah. that I recommend everybody read called mm-hmm. E Myth. Um, e Myth, uh, and I can give I'll, I'll save you the trouble of reading. I write everything. The, down, yeah, yeah. The premise of <laughs> E yeah. Myth is that um, entrepreneurs are made up of uh, tech, of uh, entrepreneurial people mm. who have this desire to start a company and the truth is most companies in america are started by someone who makes a widget and they think they can make a widget better than anybody else so they're a technician yeah, yeah. Uh, and and in reality you can't run a company if you're a technician because you're making the widget so you need around you a manager who can manage the systems and the people and an entrepreneur who can set the vision in the long term that's a minimum of three people that you need to start a small business in america okay. let alone a, a scalable startup and so the thinking is if, if I'm a technical person or I have this idea, I need a group of people with different skill sets around me just to get something off the ground. Um, and also because we are pack creatures. We are never were intended to be, work in isolation on anything yeah. with maybe the exception of some like, artists who you know sniff too much paint. Yeah. Uh, and so outside of that, we are driven to be in culture mm-hmm. and in, in packs. So that's what we miss a lot of times mm-hmm. is someone, they they're afraid to get their idea out there because they don't want to be scoffed at. Sure. They think they're kind of crazy. They've been probably told it was a dumb idea or they've been told Mm -hmm. other things in their life Uh, and in reality we need people around us to help us build those things from scratch well that comes back to
0: the self-awareness thing i think a lot of people miss out on good opportunities or choose to decline good opportunities based on what they assume other people will think about them for doing something Right. right and that's and it's i always remember drama club was like one of those things for me growing up like those were the kids i grew up with who were not totally afraid to just be the person they were i'm not you know advocating everyone should join the drama club if you'd like drama club go join it but it's that sort of concern about other people and how they will view you is a huge barrier of entry for a lot of people.
4: Absolutely. Think, especially well, when you're younger. The other, the control is the other side, too, I think, yeah. a lot, too. Um, I started two companies that failed terribly, mm. partly because I, I didn't have startup culture. I didn't understand startup culture, that you need a group of people mm-hmm. around you. The other side of it was, too, is I was trying to do everything myself, and you just can't physically do everything yourself.
0: Yeah, when I tried to do the second sports podcast, the sports podcast out here, and I was producing two a week, I was like, now nah, this is...
4: And that's just the yeah. podcast. And you know, now imagine trying to sell advertising yeah. for that. And now imagine trying to book guests. And now imagine trying to and all those things that go into this. And then the oh, promotional yeah. and the marketing. And it's just, that's yeah. why we need other people.
0: Sadly, that's all on me at,
4: the point <laughs> at this point in time. Uh,
0: so I do have some lightning round questions I want to do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, these are our six same lightning round questions. I know we've had you for about 40 minutes already, but uh, it's all right. I'm sure we'll be okay. You'll be okay. I'm cool with it. Uh, so, Chris, again, it's been a real pleasure uh, to have you on the show. Let's do our lightning round questions. Uh, Chris, when you wake up in the morning. How do you take your coffee? This is an important question for a man from Seattle.
4: <laughs> uh, I actually do a oat milk latte.
0: Nice. So no coffee. Do you oat milk latte? Yes. Interesting. You make it yourself? No. no you to...
4: Yeah. Do you like Starbucks? I hate Starbucks.
0: I was curious. I, w- I feel like it's one of those things. It's like I have the Pearl Jam poster in here. And when you came in, I was like, he's either going to like this poster or hate it. Because I loved
4: funny. Starbucks. Yeah. Now it's like McDonald's to me. Mm, it's a shame. And Howard Schultz sold the Sonics and forever ruined my basketball love. So, those things combined for me. That's a great. Starbucks.
0: You know what? Let's, let's stick with that for one second. <laughs> now that the Sonics are not there. Yeah, the NBA's dead to me. NBA's dead to you. You, you don't care about any other teams. You didn't convert. I've always no. thought about this. Like, if the New York Knicks just vanished off the face of the earth, would I pick another team or would I just be done?
4: Since the Sonics left, yeah. I've watched about 15 minutes of basketball. Of mm. professional mm. basketball. It's a shame. And I used to watch
0: religiously. You watch Seahawks at Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting right oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me start here. So back when you were driving around in Seattle, what was your first automobile?
4: My first automobile was a 1974 Toyota Corona. Oh, Corona. With a carpeted dashboard. Oh. Uh, but that only lasted six <laughs> months, and I traded it in for a 1988 Yugo. Oh, a Yugo.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. My dad had a Yugo. Uh, you may or may not have taken uh, your Toyota Corona or your Yugo to see it. What was your first live music event?
4: My first live music event mm. would have been... Uh, it was a memorial concert for a Christian musician who died in a plane crash. Oh, wow. It's yeah. right off the bat. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I just have to ask you... Um, in that era. Yeah. Did you get to see any of those, like, Pro Jam? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in
4: fact, I remember the first time we ever heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on the radio, and we were all like... I remember sitting in a yeah. classroom with a bunch of people going, this can't be Nirvana. They're not this good. Can
0: I, can I tell you, the frustrating thing for me today with... And I, I understand that when something is popular in today's culture, if I don't understand it, or if it's over my head, it's cool, and the kids like it. That's, yeah. just, that's just what I've committed to. Yeah. I do miss the shared culture of the pre-internet era when I would go to high school in 2004 and we were getting out my last year in Proctor um, everyone was listening to the same album it was yes. the hottest album in the country it was 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying everyone had it and if you didn't have it you heard it in someone else's car or people were talking about it
4: do we and- have two seconds to explore this yeah go ahead yeah, okay yeah, yeah. because the, the truth is we were having this conversation the other day I don't think because of the internet we'll ever see a geographically based phenomena like we did yeah. in Detroit mm-hmm. uh, or Southern California during the 60s or uh, the grunge scene. Yeah. However, what you're saying is actually inaccurate when you look at the stats mm-hmm. because Drake sold 7 million mm. albums two years ago. Yeah. And so we didn't listen to that, but everybody else, else did. did. right. And so it's happening. Yeah. It's just different now than it mm-hmm. was then. And it's the kinds of artists where... Uh, Older people are understanding that mm. those kids are still having those same phenomena. Yeah. They just have a bunch of other peripherals that, like, mm. it's like two major people, and then everybody else is like exponentially right. smaller groups. Well, that's what I feel like when I talk to a lot of my kids. I'm like, "What are you guys
0: listening to?" They're like, "I'm watching music on YouTube sometimes." I'll right. put on like people's pick will spe- specific songs or specific things. Uh, I, I just don't see it as often with Mike. Like, I don't know any kids in my school who play in a band just right, casually. Right. I don't know. Now the other side of that coin is the way people make music today is different. I If my kids wanted to make music that they like, they would not pick up a guitar. Right. They would pick up a computer. So right. it's also probably just that I'm getting old and I don't see the way that kids make music these days. Um, so speaking, uh, let's move on. If you could have dinner
4: with any person. Yes. Living or dead. Yes.
0: Who is not your relative. Yes. Who would it be and
4: why? Michael Nesmith from the Monkees. Yes. I, um, I heard you talk about
0: this yesterday. I'm very curious. Uh, <laughs>
4: because I find him... Mm eminently fascinating. In yeah, fact, yeah. it's funny because um, I read his biography a few years ago, and it really messed with me on a bunch of levels. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very into Christian Science. Grew up in Christian Science, yeah, yeah. and I know nothing about Christian Science. Sure. And so it was funny because uh, when I was thirty years old, was I started drinking? Uh, I didn't ever drink alcohol till I was thirty. Mm-hmm. I started smoking cigars a few years later. Then yeah, yeah. um, I got into whiskey a few years after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read Mike Nesmith's biography, and I told my wife, I go, no one's ever explained. Christian Science, the way that he did, I kind of, I, I kind of makes sense to me. And she looked me in the eye and she said, in a dead serious, she said, "The drinking I can handle, the smoking I can handle. If you come home as a Christian Scientist, we might be done." <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: That's pretty good. You said
0: that during the interview too about the monkeys. You have this like fascination with the monkeys yeah. growing up. Was that like the was that one of the first like music groups that like sort of. Reached out to you, or what was it about the monkeys? No, I got
4: really into a bunch of other music earlier Mm -hmm. on than that. But the monkeys were um, fascinating to me on a couple levels. First off, they were a manufactured band who then went on to be a real band Mm -hmm. who then um, got shafted because nobody believed in them. And um, I find uh, the the what the monkeys were, the creation of the Mm -hmm. monkeys, has been done a million times. Yet they're still not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though in 1967 they outsold Mm -hmm. the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. That's bizarre to me. And and on top of that, because you had four distinct people and the best songwriters of the day, there's no like single genre of music that they created.
0: Monkeys are a little bit ahead of their time in this aspect, right? If you look at, up until the last 10 years, at least in my opinions on this, we lived in the idea that the rock and roll ethos extended to all popular artists. Like, right. An artist who didn't write their own songs was inherently not as good as someone who did write their own right. songs. Now, that does not matter anymore. The idea that 20 years ago, if you sold your song for a commercial, you were a sellout. Right, right. Now it's like a race to get your song on multiple commercials and get paid because that's how you get paid. Yeah. I think the the idea, the rock ethos in terms of how we like authenticity in our artist sort of changed. We've just sort of accepted as a culture that we like pop music, and we right. like to hear pop songs, and that's why... And I think that's actually a good thing for rock and roll music. <laughs> gives yeah. us a little some back of that underground credibility to We're it. would do
4: for a yeah. rock resurgence. It's been yeah. a while since we've had one Oh, song. yeah.
0: And I think it's probably coming because, again, we've sort of leaned into this pop culture. And I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Again, that's right. just the way I think it feels like it's going. But right. it, I think the monkeys today... Like in in this world where we're not as caught up with like oh well they didn't write this song so it's not a, now I think it'd be better off for them in a weird yeah way.
4: they're called One Direction <laughs> I mean
0: BTS that's the other yeah, one yeah. too right yeah yeah uh, give me one uh, book album movie or television show that you are currently reading listening to or watching one book
4: album movie or show that you are currently reading listening to or watching <sighs> you just want to know it or do you want me to tell you why I like it yeah both tell me both um, let's see. Book I'm reading right now is called Mindset. I listen to all my books on audio.
0: Nice. Yeah, you're saying that.
4: It's it's good. It's not my favorite book in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. Um, right now I'm watching. Um I'm almost done with the last season, of, final season of Peaky Blinders, which oh, is yeah, maybe yeah. the greatest television show I ever put on television. Yeah, yeah.
0: Kevin has told me I should I should commit to it. Although, um, I, since I just got this Disney Plus, I feel like I have to at least go watch one episode of The Mandalorian now before yeah. I do anything else.
4: No, Peaky Blinders might be the greatest yeah, show he on loves television. It. Yeah, like, yeah. up there with like, Game of Thrones, good. Like, mm. really, really good. Not as epic, but mm. story-wise, just absolutely fascinating. I had the wrong impression of Peaky Blinders for the long time.
0: I thought... That Peaky Blinders was the show Penny Dreadful, which is a different show, oh, which is yeah, not the yeah, same totally thing. Different. So, once that was explained to me that these are different shows, I'm now more interested yeah. in Peaky Blinders, but that's fair. Um, and last but not least, Chris, I know we've kept you a long time. That's fine. Um, if besides, uh, besides podcasting, besides music, behind helping people get to where they want to be, behind besides the work of the Innovation Collective, what's one more thing that you are passionate about? Travel. Travel. Excellent. I had that written down here. So I'm glad. Where's your next travel destination? What do you have on the books for Um, coming up next?
4: uh, Probably go to Sweden. Our daughter lives there, Mm. and she just had a baby uh, last January. that's great. Congratulations. Uh, So we'll probably go there to see her. But I'm really itching to go somewhere I've never been before. That's what I Mm. really love doing is going somewhere I've never been uh, and and meeting new people and experiencing new cultures.
0: I'm very curious to go to... I grew up up here, but I went to college, and I took Latin American history when I was there. So Mm. I'm very curious about... I want to go to Costa Rica. I very much want to go to Nicaragua, although I don't know what the political... Yeah. atmosphere in Nicaragua is right now with all the, the Daniel Ortega stuff but right, right. that's been on my list for years I want to go that's my next that's like my cross it Yeah, off I really, it's funny I
4: never wanted to go to South America and then we watched a, a documentary and now I really want to go to South oh, America yeah. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I never did before but. well that was like I watched an episode
0: of Anthony Bourdain where he went to Lyon and went to the the Paul Bocou Academy and yeah. I was like I never wanted to go to France before but now all I want to do is go to France I've been there you can skip it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, Chris again I want to thank you for taking the time to thank come you, in and Sam. talk to us it's a real pleasure uh, I'll link everything for uh, Chris and Innovation Collective for all listeners out there but again thank cool. you so much it's a real hey, thank you Sam thank you. Again, Chris Cochran, Heather. What was that research you found? Oh, what did it oh, say?
3: Right.
2: It said,
0: um, and that. Oh, you pull it back up. Yeah, I know. Right Last year, up. Yeah. Heather
2: was the 1,129th most popular name in the country. 1,129th, huh? 219 new Heathers are running around.
0: Mm. I guess that's pretty bad in it's, terms really right. of yeah, low. it's pretty it low. I low. low. Wonder where. I feel like Sam's pretty consistent. We're we're clocking in good numbers <laughs> every every year or so. Mm. I feel like there was a. There was a peak of Kevin's for a while. I know, Kevin
2: it? seems to, like, seep, like, just stay around. Yeah, it's mm-hmm.
0: around. It's pretty common. It's mm-hmm. like the the Johns and Mikes of the world. Strong. For, it's like those, but like with a little bit more pizzazz.
1: Right? Because <laughs> you got a V in it. I'd rather be a K. <laughs> a K. K is a strong consonant. Yeah, a lot of you angular. Like yeah, yeah. It's an
0: angular name. Mm-hmm. Nice name to write. Some good letters for writing. <laughs> I've always struggled with... The fact that my name ends with the M. M is not a great letter always to end on unless you're doing capitals. If you're ending on a lowercase M, it's a little bit of a downer. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. if you're using lowercase at all, you're probably, <laughs> you're probably lost. <laughs> uh, I did not do history lessons last week. Not because I was sparing Heather from anything, but because I, uh, I just didn't have any
2: okay. Going at the time. Couldn't have
0: spared her. Nothing, here.
2: nothing happened on that
0: day. You I, Honestly, I hate to say it, you... You were so much better off missing last week. You would have you would have had negative fun, uh, negative, negative fun, never negative fun. You would have gotten a real kick out of me because I was flying on NyQuil and hate.
3: Oh great!
0: Just <laughs> nothing but NyQuil and hate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I don't actually have a lot of times when I come to these history lessons. I don't have a lot of I have follow up like preamble ready in my head. I don't have a lot. So. Postamble, yeah, yeah. it's follow up. Yeah. All right, so uh, here's here's an interesting one. I thought this was kind of cool. 1883. On uh, exactly this day at noon, American and Canadian railroads began using four continental time zones to end the confusion of dealing with thousands of local times. Uh, the need for time zones stemmed directly from the problems of moving passengers and freight over thousands of miles of rail line that covered North America. Even as late as 1880, most towns in the U.S. had their own local time, which just seems like a total mess. <laughs> right? Like well, It was different back when you weren't traveling to mm-hmm. towns. Yeah. Uh, generally that time was based on high noon or the time at which the sun was the highest point in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly, it was not the U.S. government who did this, but it was actually the railroad companies, just sort of mm-hmm. solidifying how much power railroad companies had at the time. They they were the people who set this up. Um, most Americans and Canadians quickly esta- uh, embraced the new time zones. However, it was not until 1918 that Congress officially adapted the time zone. So you're really talking like another 30 years before they actually made it part of the interstate commerce commission uh i know this isn't having to do with time zones uh but it has been such a downer for the last few weeks that it is like dark 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 at five o'clock it really throws me off i'm yep. not used to it again mm-hmm. uh, although i do appreciate the sun being up early in the morning so it's kind of a, a little bit of a give or take it's like really dark out right now um on this day 1863 i got two of them from 1800 wow. <laughs> i know uh lincoln delivered the gettysburg address um Lincoln delivered one of the most memorable speeches in American history. It is fewer than 275 words. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, I, I hate when people are like, if you could go back in time to any time period question. But mm. I would like to go, I think use you said or maybe someone else, I would like to go back in time not be a part of anything, but just observe stuff as it was happening. Yes. Right? Like, just to watch, like, the, the mm-hmm. casual narrator from, like, the sky. Mm-hmm. And this seems like one of those things just I would have loved. blend and check it out. Yeah, I would love to be able to have gone back and watched this one, like, just sort of curiously. To see the reaction of the crowd. Because, like, uh, it's, again, this speech that has lived on in history. I feel like it would probably be underwhelming. Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I mean, though. It's mm-hmm. kind of Isn't that sort of fascinating, this thing that's probably a little bit underwhelming that people were mixed on at the time has... Become something we teach in history, books. Mm-hmm. kind of interesting to me. Mm. Anything you could think of off the top of your head, you'd like to go back and just observe as it happens? Oh man, like tons of stuff, like everything, really. I mean, <laughs> All tons of of stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It's, there's so many, so many different things. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, just even just American
1: history. To pick just you know one, I mean? yeah, yeah, I don't even know how I, how I could really.
0: Yeah, it's true. I guess Kennedy assassination is probably the one that most people. Like would probably say, I think it's probably the most.
1: Pop. Nah, probably not. But that's too recent. It's on video. Mm. It'd be yeah. such a waste. Like I'm trying to go back and see. Suddenly so you couldn't see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's that's the whole point. point of having that like quote unquote mm. superpower or whatever. Like the thought experiment mm-hmm. we're talking about mm. is going back and really getting a look. Like let's go back and get a look and see what all the Native Americans were doing and stuff yeah. like that. You know,
0: go back and see the Aztecs. So Lincoln uh, gave the Gettysburg Address at Gettysburg Cemetery. And the reason he went there was he was invited as sort of an afterthought. The other guy they invited was this guy uh, named Edward Everett, who was one of the most famous orators of his time. And then just sort of as an afterthought, they're like, oh, let's invite Lincoln as well, right? <laughs> so the crowd had to sit through a two-hour speech from this guy, uh, Edward Everett, before Lincoln's speech, which was three minutes, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. He's mm-hmm. Like, leave him wanting more. I don't yeah. know.
1: I wonder if the Gettysburg Address... I'd like to see a list, but the mm. Gettysburg Address is probably one of the most memorized speeches in history.
0: Yeah, it's less than 275. It's easy enough to just pop Because it's short that enough out. to yeah, actually yeah. memorize, yeah. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going to go with this one, but it's just it's important to me. On this day, 1969, Brazilian soccer legend Pele scored his 1,000th professional goal. It was a major milestone in an illustrious career that included three World Cup championships he is considered one of the greatest soccer players ever to take the field. Uh, he acquired the name Pele during childhood, although there is no meaning for Pele in his native Portuguese. So I don't actually know what Pele <laughs> comes from or where it got the name from. Uh, he started playing at a minor league soccer club when he was a teenager. And within two years, he had led the Brazilian national team to the World Cup at the age of 17. Uh Famously in America, he came to play for the New York Cosmos in 1975 on a $7 million contract, and he's one of the main reasons uh, that soccer really started taking hold in America in the 1970s. He was the most popular player, um, and the New York Cosmos were sort of a hot item in the late 1970s, and he was a big reason for it. Uh, He's been given the International Peace Award, uh, and in 1993, he was inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a good Pele documentary out there, but I would watch it if there was if there's a good one, so hit me up with one. <laughs> Pele is, like, an important figure in soccer, but he's not even, like, the most important soccer player. <laughs> it's, like, weird. I wouldn't know where you would compare him on the list of, like, all-time greats. I feel like Maradona mm-hmm. is the guy. I don't know. Do you know Pele? Like, would you have known that Pele was a soccer player? Have you? Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, I, don't sure. I don't. I would yeah, yeah, yeah. never. You know. wouldn't have guessed it. Nope. I'm curious mm-hmm. how ubiquitous Pele is in the general in the general public.
1: Mm. Ubiquitous? No, I remember I like read a book or did a book report or something like that about Pele when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Some some project like that. But I think back then. Um, you know, especially things were a little bit more hard split on gender back then, so I'd be willing to bet there probably a lot more people who were little boys in the early 90s sure. know about paleo than people that were little girls. That makes a lot unfortunately. of Unfortunately,
0: but yeah. like I remember it was just like, hey, here's a sports guy you should know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, there is a documentary not directly about Pele, but about the New York Cosmos, which in itself is a really fascinating and really cool story. I think it's called Team of the Century or Game mm-hmm. of the Century. So if you can find that anywhere, really, Heather, really, we're gonna put that right on our list. Yeah, it's right. really good. I,
2: it's, I, it's on my mental list right Even now. Even
0: like right much like the other, much like the other soccer yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Much like the other soccer documentary, I told people to watch Sunderland till I die. You don't have to like soccer; they're just really good documentaries. Just, mm-hmm. just they're pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, I feel like every year I put up something about the Iran-Contra scandal and then I highlight stuff about it and then I never want to talk about it by the time we get to it on the history notes. So I'm not going to, uh, Iran-Contra scandal, the final reports happened on This Way Today. Look it up on the internet if you want. Oliver North, he was a criminal.
1: Oh, uh, you will recognize the name William Barr because he was the fixer and the cover-up mm-hmm. bag man for that as well and he's been hiding crimes ever yeah. since. And these people should all be in jail because yeah. they're an organized crime syndicate.
0: Shameful time for America in 1987 during this. Shameful irony. time. I'm just is in general. <laughs> cool. Shame. bit of tough. Shame. 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 It's tough. It's tough. Alvin Rush should be in jail. All right. Uh, moving on. On this day. It's
3: like seven pages there. No, this is I it. Am this am is it. <laughs> <laughs> on this day,
0: 2003, uh, music producer Phil Spector was indicted for murder. Uh, Phil Spector worked with the Righteous Brothers, the Ronettes, Ike and Tina Turner, John Lennon, uh, the Ramones. Uh, he was uh, indicted for the murder of actress Lana Clarkson. There's a uh, HBO movie, I think, where Al Pacino plays Phil Spector. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's like a movie about this. Uh, it's a pretty wild story, though. Um, he, you know, he kills her with a gun, apparently, he shoots her. Uh, and then his limo driver's outside waiting in the car to where uh, he testifies that the movie producer comes out with a gun and tells him, I think I killed somebody. Uh, but then he claims that the death was accidental, and it goes to trial. And then during trial, he's wearing all the flamboyant outfits and these like dramatic hair, area. yeah, just like crazy stuff. Um, Phil Spector also, from the music standpoint, was the the producer behind a technique known the wall known as the wall of sound, which is very important in like the late nineteen sixties. Um, he is in jail now. He's sentenced to nineteen years uh, in prison in April of two thousand and nine. He is eligible for parole at the age of eighty eight, so that's like. Uh, I mean, he's probably not that far away now, although, is he dead? Is he I, was wondering, I was
2: wondering if he was still alive or what was going
0: on. I don't remember there. if he's dead or alive now. Oh, there you go. All those things happened uh, this week. Great. Uh, did you? I know. You guys missed <laughs> <Sick. laughs> it. Amazing. Uh, just a couple quick funny stories here for you guys. Uh, did you read anyone about how uh, there in 2013, a bunch of people filmed a whole soap opera in Ikea without the store knowing about it. I did not. (laughs) I thought that was a pretty wild story, yeah. Apparently, these uh, Los Angeles filmmakers just went into a series of Ikea stores and used all the, like, set-up, like, sites to make... That's hysterical. It's really funny, and it got me thinking. This happened a few years ago, back, where a bunch of people used iPhones to make a movie in Disneyland without Disney's knowledge Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, And Disney to their credit well not to their credit they didn't stop them from doing it like they didn't stop like sue them or anything because mm-hmm. if they did they felt like it would draw more attention mm-hmm. to it I feel like Ikea same thing She's let them do it right mm-hmm. it's a good story it's yeah. like good publicity <laughs> uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of a place where we could do this like what's a place we could go into and film that we're not supposed to we can get away with I don't know like a library because did a library like uh, a public library we that. they let us do it though uh, they were nice enough to just let I us do it out to the cared. public library uh Heather, I'm going to make you feel uh, jealous about your child. You ready for this? A nine year old child, uh, child genius, is about to graduate from university at the age guess. of nine. How come your son isn't ready to be graduating from university? Because he's only three. He's, he's got six so you years. Six years? Yeah, years? Yeah, you yeah. think he's ready? You never know. You think you're going to get him ready? You never know where he'll be. It's a be in rat six race years. out there for mm-hmm. these kids. They got to start early. Yeah, mm-hmm. how's your kid doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I have two thoughts on this. One, it's crazy that a kid could do this. But like, also, do you feel bad for this kid a little bit? Nine year, nine year old, nine year old, they're already like, I know where you're going, but no probably childhood. not.
1: Probably not. If when when the kid is that smart, like everybody likes to wax nostalgic about childhood, and like hey, you should be a kid, and like everybody has their own idealized yeah, yeah. version but of like applying right. their own mm-hmm. life onto it, but like realistically, if this kid is smart enough to finish and get a college degree at age 9, then he's not going to enjoy himself mm-hmm. no, it's doing, you I know... mean, he plays you know, video games still
2: and does activities. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah, doing so. stuff
1: like that, like just sticking him in, you know, second grade or third grade or fourth grade or whatever the hell age you are at age 9 is going to be, like, torture for
3: him. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: He's not
1: going to be able to relate to a lot of kids yeah. his own age. It's going to be, like, hanging out with farm animals. No, you're you know totally I mean? right.
0: Well, That's the other question I was, I was sort of jokingly going to ask. Is this kid chill at all? Or is he, like, because I walk in and, like, just, you know, say something funny to my nephew and make him laugh. Just make like, a fart joke or, like, you know. Like, right. You know, like, yeah. like, you couldn't be like, hey, what's up there, buddy? He'd be like, hello, sir. It's nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right. Yeah.
2: You could just be smart and still have be funny and... I mean, like I said, he plays video games and as
1: a part of activity. No, it's, I know, I know, I so. uh, Okay, I was just curious. That's got to be the hard part with having a kid who's smart like that is properly socializing the kids. Yeah. That's got to be the real challenge, you Especially know what for I mean? Especially the parents. Like, the schooling takes doing. care of itself, practically, you yeah. know what I mean? But, like, actually socializing the child has got to be the
0: real uphill battle to climb. Um, and before we get to um, fake mailbag questions, there was an article this week from the AV Club. They've been doing a lot of, like... Um, 2010s articles like into the end of the yeah it's the very end of the decade very mm-hmm. end of the decade so you're gonna start seeing a lot more of these things but uh i saw that was interesting it was the top uh 100 tv shows of the 2010s basically so or the 2000 2010s. 2010s yeah 2010s right uh before i give you the top 10 real quick heather can you guess what you think the number one show of the oh, 2010s would be I'm it's pretty predictable you know what it is you know what it is i do yeah for sure
2: I feel... Is it Office? The Office? No. No,
0: no. That's that's too old. Too old. Okay. Oh, gee. I I
2: can't think. I really can't. It's a
0: crime show. It was a drama. It was on AMC. Walter White. Bald guy.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. Breaking Bad.
0: (laughs) Breaking Bad number one. Breaking Bad number one. Mad Men number two. uh, Atlanta number three. Parks and Rec number four. Uh, the Americans number five. Kind of an interesting list, actually. I've only watched uh, one of those shows, I want to say. So, uh, two of those shows, that. I guess. Good for AMC getting two shows on there Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Although, I got to say, I tried to do Mad Men and it didn't really hit for me. I don't know. People seem to like that show a lot.
2: When did The Walking Dead come out? After that?
0: Or? Walking Dead's probably on this list a little bit farther down. Okay. I think people are no, not ready. It's it not at all. Yeah. No, I read the article. It's not. And really? I re,
2: honestly,
1: it shouldn't be. Mm. Why would it be? Yeah, it's not.
2: I, at the time, I mean, when it first came out, it seemed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but like I you got a,
1: you can't put a show on like all best of decade yeah. list when we're only at a few good seasons mm-hmm. that people think or whatever. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Uh, rounding out the list, the good place number six, uh, leftovers number seven, Bob's Burgers number That's eight. It's a crime.
1: Leftovers should be number one. Like <laughs> one. Uh, one A. Uh,
0: Thirty Rock number nine, Fleabag number ten, which people seem to really like.
1: Bag, that seems like it's a little mm. bit of an overshot. I didn't watch the second season. I watched yeah. the first season.
0: but Twin Peaks The Return was at number 14, yeah. and i got to tell you, I like that show a lot, but that is a real hipster overshoot. That's that how that all these Pe- lists yeah, are always
1: are, though, You know what I mean? I,
0: I like Twin Peaks The Return. There's no reason it should be on this list. Like, it's not this high, certainly. Yeah, movie, I mean, it okay? can make
1: top 100.
0: I yeah, guess. yeah, sir, certainly. Uh, all right, you guys want to do a quick mailbag question before we close out here today? Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So, counting only the stuff that actually makes it onto a plate, what is the most thrown away food item? What is the most thrown away? Like, thro- is it a
2: dinner anything? Yeah, a dinner.
0: Like-
1: no, like, what's the most thrown away item? Okay. Food, items, food item. Food item. meal.
3: Okay.
1: It's a, it's a clunkily worded question. Okay.
0: So, I'm trying to think. When I was a kid, my mom would always tell me if we were eating dinner, if there was like meat and sides and vegetables and stuff. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, finish the meat because it's the expensive part. You got to make sure you eat the meat, right? I paid money for the steak. Like, I mean, if you're going to finish, if you're not going to eat anything, eat the steak, right? Or whatever, right? I feel like I've thrown away a lot of side salads. Like, when you get it at, like, a a restaurant Mm. or a wedding, like, if you get, if you order something, give you that little, like, small salad.
3: French fries.
0: Oh, Parkinson's yelling French fries. Yeah, French fries get tossed away a lot, I think, at, like, a place.
2: Vegetables.
0: Yeah, just steamed vegetables. Just
2: steamed vegetables. <laughs> like a side of steamed
0: vegetables. Oh, never. Those are never going anywhere off my plate. Mm-hmm. Oh, you steamed vegetables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any vegetables. I'm trying to think I would say, uh, for me personally, it's probably coleslaw. If there's coleslaw thrown on the side, I'm not a huge coleslaw person. Mm-hmm. If you give me Same. like a plate with some coleslaw, that's going to someone else or straight into the garbage. Same. So I don't know, Kevin, anything besides that? Um I don't know. Uh, uh Okay, next. <laughs> A guy I know follows ninety-seven thousand Twitter accounts because he's an idiot. How many accounts can you follow on Twitter before your feed becomes impossible to keep track of? It's already impossible to keep track on Twitter. Sucks. They ruined it. They did. They oh, did. True. The algorithm is very different. I will say though, like I think I have like I don't know exactly how many follows we have on the Udicast feed. It's not that many more than like I'm guessing. I'm gonna pull it up right now. Three hundred and sixty-eight, we follow, and it's not because I'm like trying to keep numbers down, but even at three sixty-eight, I feel like I I can't
2: imagine I, more I, I don't
0: that. even know how many people I'm missing or not paying attention mm-hmm. to. So yeah,
1: I mean, I don't even really, I don't.
2: Yeah. I only I see like a few people on mine. Out of all of mine, I see the same people, when people I all s- the time.
0: If I see anybody who has like forty-five thousand follows, you know that they're only doing it as a way to get there. Like mm-hmm. it just, you're not even engaging with anybody at that point. Yeah, time. it's the
1: people who just follow just to get the follow backs. Um. I don't really use my personal Twitter account much anymore, but, yeah, it's it's tough to follow, like, because it's tough to figure out what's important to follow, and they're obsessed with just being, like, here's tweets you missed,
3: yeah. and so, yeah, like, every yeah. time I get yep. on
1: Twitter now, I find myself, like, I'm looking at a tweet, and I go to respond, it's from, like, seven days ago, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm just like, well, what, what is this, and it discourages me from getting back yeah. on. I wanted to get on today and mouth off about some local issues I got on for like two minutes, and I was like, no, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. So I just stick with my burner account, <laughs> which I use all the time. And actually, I think I have more followers on my burner account than I do on my regular Twitter. Yeah. 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 Smart. Oh, yeah. You'll never know what it is, but I have one. Right. You follow me?
0: No. No, you're blocked. <laughs> uh, so, how and, long now? <laughs> uh, and last but not least, uh, where does the stock music that comes from like in-game sports highlights come from? Is it the worst music on the planet? Mm. Uh any sort of stock music you ever see on like a TV commercial mm-hmm. or anything is usually from like some sort of like Motion Array website or mm-hmm. some. It's so, a stock music bank, the same as stock photos. Yeah, yeah. stock mm-hmm. anything else is. Uh, all it made me think of though when I read this question was we we watched Temptation Island last week, which we've been oh, off of a little bit. Yeah, it's back on Monday nights. I watch it. And that show has the funniest stock music. Like they come <laughs> up with like weird like little like. It's just all like tempt me. He's like on the beach. Like I don't think that stuff that. counts as stock music. <laughs> no, because they wrote it for yeah, it, right? They wrote it. That's, that's specifically commissioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually, it's funny when Justin and I go through like stock music sometimes for videos. It's actually kind of like going through the funny stock music. Oh, yeah. so you can try and figure out what they're trying to like, what they're trying what they're to trying sound to like. Yeah, 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 that's always mm-hmm. kind of a fun, uh, fun <laughs> game. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, not the worst music in the world. It's there for a reason. It's there just because, you know, people need cheap, effective people, music. Yeah, people yeah. need music in the back. Uh, I'm telling you, that was a gig I should have got into. It's like writing... No like, money in that,
3: do I think.
1: No?
0: It's you true, so. you definitely could still yeah, do you it. Still do um, Follow those but... dreams. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, that's really all I got. Anything else before we head out this week here, guys? <laughs> uh, all right.
1: I went to see Joker over the weekend. Oh, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Did it turn uh, you into an angry person yeah, like, who's going to rebel against society after um
1: i listened to a podcast about joker afterwards it really crystallized one of my biggest beefs with the media climate that we live in now they are like we have the debate about this stuff now before we even see it sure and they really locked it in about how like there's all this big hype that by the time you watch the movie you're already over it somehow Mm -hmm. uh, which really bugs me and i hate but my thoughts on the movie i thought it was excellent i really enjoyed it um I totally get where the people are coming from when they're like yo this movie might yeah. cause some problems in real life like having seen it i know exactly okay, what they're I talking about and they're totally they're something. totally not wrong um definitely worth a watch definitely also a tough watch maybe not for everybody mm-hmm. not to the level of something like a hereditary or something that's like, sure. really hard to watch but like it's definitely would you go back and watch it again uh, the mark of most movies that I like quite a bit. By the time I was laying in bed the night that I saw it, I wanted to watch it again. Sure, oh, wow. I would like to go back and cool. watch it again, and I will definitely watch it a couple of times. I'm looking forward to watching it with you, Sam. Um, you know, because we talk a lot yeah, about yeah. movies and stuff like that. But is that your barometer?
0: For knowing if you like a movie or not, if you want to watch it again, like right afterwards.
1: oh uh, that's a barometer, yes, for sure, for yeah, sure. I tell
0: you, it's not looking good for Captain Marvel.
1: <laughs> no, Captain Marvel, that was so dumb. I knew that was going to be dumb the second it started. Second, the second, you hit play on that, and I was like, oh and, no, it, oh shit, yeah, something, <laughs> here we go.
0: Sudden was weird. Here off
1: the we go. Off the he's, right. been, he's been acting wild ever since Disney Plus came wow. into the game. He'll just he'll option something, hit play out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We we're halfway through Fantasia before I even knew what happened. Oh, you know what? Wow. No,
0: I'll tell you why. You know what that is? I have a bad habit of like, thinking I'm going to watch something and then not watching anything. Mm-hmm. So I think the other side of that coin is I'm just going to start putting stuff just on. Just pull the trigger just, Yeah, just on stuff. pull the trigger on stuff. Well, I that, feel- that happens all the time, though. You're right, because we
1: always talk about, like, oh, we didn't watch that movie, didn't see that. Oh, there's never any time to watch because a movie. The
3: time.
1: But there's totally times we watch two hours worth of, like, guys making swords on YouTube, and it's like, well, that's two hours well, I mean, could have been a even,
0: even before we did this podcast... I mean I I opened up my phone and Netflix was on there and I saw that Step Brothers was the movie that they were showing and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I like this movie, we should put it in No, Bam, put it on and we watched all two hours of it and I loved every minute. Yeah, you of that pulled movie. the trigger. That's awesome. Like, that like, like, one was worth it. I like a trigger See? pull. I do like to watch a movie.
3: Yeah. I
0: love a movie. Yeah. I forgot how funny Step Brothers is by the Step Brothers is a funny movie we that's, watched it the other day oh uh, yeah pretty good one alright that's it Humanoids uh, we had a great time this week Heather it was nice to have you back Yay. after after back last guys, m- yeah we're happy uh, allegedly, <laughs> let's,
1: allegedly. <laughs> let's not let's not count uh, our
0: chickens before the eggs are
1: <laughs> hatched right there Waslowski.
0: alright uh, thanks to uh, thanks to Chris Cochran thanks to Heather you can follow at HeatherWaz1 you can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan thanks Kevin you can follow me at SFDoom or you can just follow the show at UDCast. we are on Facebook SoundCloud Instagram uh, Apple Podcasts Digital Podcasts taken over the web. Uh, Cyanar humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, We will see you next week. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. Episode 231 next week. Uh, And Thanksgiving. On the block. I'm ready for turkey and stuffing. And gravy. All the gravy stuff. So much stuffing and gravy.